It's a sad but magical week, everybody. Why is that, Mark? Why is that? Uh, magical because we have a new Smash character, but sad to think there's only one more of these left for Ultimate. I am not... I can't decide if I'm ready to get off the train or if I wanted to keep going. Because we've... Honestly, it feels like we've been going since Bayonetta came out. I mean, ever since Smash 4 got announced. There was a very small window in between Ultimate and Smash 4. When did Bayonetta come out? Wasn't it 2015? No. Or 2016? It was early 2016, wasn't it? It was 2016. We weren't... We weren't off the hype train for that long at all, honestly. And yeah, think about it. Holy crap. Being on the Smash train as pathetic, as outwardly pathetic as this is to say aloud, is one of the happiest feelings I ever feel in life, man. I love talking about speculating and playing smash i will never ever be tired of it and knowing that there's only one more character left and we are not gonna get another smash game for a fucking long time nor do we need one to be fair we have been spoiled for years now and sakurai deserves to rest but i'm not looking forward to these days being over i love them too much I love how people talk about Sakurai because I know it's like been documented that I guess like this game has caused him like health issues over the years. But people just talk about him as if like they talk about him like he's Master Chief. Actually, it's like Chief needs to rest now. Only they're talking about Sakurai. Well, like there have been times where Sakurai will. Sakurai used to have a weekly column in Famitsu, a Japanese magazine. And some weeks he would tell wacky stories about him going into work with an IV drip. And stories like that really just make me reel back and go, Hey, I love Smash. Please go see a doctor. Or go eat a real meal. I understand he is a perfectionist. And Mark, isn't it true that one of the reasons he's dedicated so much of his time and passion into Ultimate? Because he feels like he's doing it for a water he he has said something on that uh he's put a lot of this into it because this is a bit in memory to Iwata, just working hard on this series for him um i i also just know that he, he's always kind of been like like before ultimate he's always had that kind of reputation of working himself to death so to speak and i know the work culture in japan is also way different it's a six day work a uh, week in Japan versus uh, where we have two days off. They only get Sunday off. School also, you only get one day off in Japan, which uh, kind of sucks. I also know, I don't know if it's similar at all to the to the work philosophy in somewhere like China, which I think is also a six-day work week. I believe those are also 12-hour oh, days. In fact, I, I, should, I should Google right now what the Japan work day is. But I do want to ask... How long do you guys think it'll be until we get the next Smash character? Sakurai said during the Kazuya presentation on Monday that it's going to be a little while, but he will, that character will release this year. I'm guessing November. I don't I'm know thinking, why that character is going to take so long. 
Yeah, me too. I'm thinking October or November is when we finally see them. I do think it's going to be a while. Yes, I... I was wrong. They are eight-hour days. Thank God. But also, yeah. this final character, I truly do not... I think for this time, he's serious when he says he is done after this. After Ultimate, Sakurai is done. I don't think he's done in game development, but I do think he is done with Smash. I think he's at least going to make one more game because he's been working on Smash for over a decade straight. He went from... How old is he? He's in his 50s, I believe. Yeah, he's That's in his 50s. Older. He went... He has gone from 64... Well, he's gone from Kirby to 64 to Melee to Brawl to Kid Icarus Uprising to Smash 4 to Ultimate. He hasn't taken a break since Brawl. He... He just hasn't stopped. And I respect it on one hand, and he makes some of my favorite games. He is the reason why Kid Icarus, a new Kid Icarus, is one of my biggest hopes out of Nintendo right now. But if I had to, if I could no longer get any new Masahiro Sakurai games, if that means he can enjoy the rest of his life and make it so that he doesn't lose his hands at the age of 60, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Ultimate will keep me fed for years and years. And my question for you, Mark, unless you have something you want to say on this. Okay. Go for it. Go for my it. question is, and we, we don't have to spend long because it could be an endless conversation, but just cons- where you're at. Is it in a continu- Is the next installment a continuation of Ultimate? Or are we going back to zero? I I don't think we really can go back to zero because one of the things Smash uh, has for itself is that it's something everyone can kind of hop back into, and you're, you're, whoever you mained is going to be mostly the same. Like if some like the people who love Smash because of Melee or 64, and I'm talking more on the casual space competitive, like hardcore people, I think would would be able to adjust to a, a reset. But people who play the new game expecting to pick up their Mario that they had in a past game, but then they wouldn't be able to, I think they'd just lose all interest in that Smash. It's just not the same. A move or two, it's fine. I feel like I feel like Mario is probably the bad example there. Cause if if you moved on to a Smash game where you couldn't pick up your Mario again, I think that would be shocking. I mean like if you just had a completely different moveset and everyone would be like, oh when Mario was the, the last character he was, the last iteration, that was the Mario I could play. And if that was the same for everybody, like, if if everybody was forced to pick up Smash, and I mean this on, like, the grand casual scheme, because so many people play Smash, uh, just to pick it up. Like, they'll play it not, not super often, just, like, it, it's something they can just come back to. But if you make it that it is not something they can come back to anymore... Uh, it'll be very alienating. I don't think that's just anything they want to do. They don't want to alienate anyone from Smash. I have a few thoughts on these. I'm I'm very com- conflicted on the question of whether it would be a reboot or they they try and even go bigger. I I don't understand how they could go bigger. But when it comes to Sakurai specifically. Seeing as he's the type that would go into work with an IV, I don't think there's going to be this like glorious ride off into the sunset for him. That strikes me as he's someone who will be, he will be working until he dies. And it just seems like that's his personality. Um, 
And with that, I don't think this is the last time he's ever going to be on Smash. Because whenever they decide to touch it again, probably in a decade or even more, I would be shocked if he is in some way not a part of it. I, 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 I don't know. Because when they announced Smash 4, Sakurai had not been told he was working on the game. They hadn't even gone to him yet. And he did not, as far as I can, if I can recall correctly from the stories I've heard, Iwata had to go to him and approached him and basically opened up with, you're the father of Smash. Do you, would you come back and work on this again? Because after Subspace Emissary and Brawl, that took so much out of Sakurai. He was so damn tired. But Iwata was one of his closest friends. Again, if I'm wrong about that, I apologize, but I don't think I am. And if Iwata asked him to do it, he couldn't say no. And then he goes on to make Smash 4, and with the Wii U's troubles, with it being the fucking Wii U, and the Switch coming into production much sooner than originally anticipated, Iwata goes to Sakurai while he's still working on Smash 4 DLC and just says, look, we need to come out running with this new console. We need a new Smash on this sooner than later. I understand Smash is really, you know, knocking you down a peg, but would you be able to come back and make Ultimate for us for the Switch? And again, because Iwata asked him to do it, Sakurai said yes. That's why when Iwata died, he did come out and say, I'm dedicating a like part of my work ethic to this game is in memory of him because I'm working on it because he asked me to. The day Ultimate released, I think... I, I don't know if I want to say this one because I'm not entirely sure. I swear he tweeted something, and it was almost like in his own way he was talking to Iwata. Like, Iwata was all he was thinking about when, when Ultimate released. Like, that is how integral that friendship was to him. Iwata's not around anymore to ask him to work on Smash 6. If he just wants to finally go and either do something else or be done, and oh, and honestly, after you bring it up, I could see him just working until he dies because that is just a man he is. But... If there's no Satori Wada around in Nintendo to ask him to come come back, I could really see him just not coming back. Now imagine like the executives show up to Sakurai and they're like, Mr. Sakurai, we found this time capsule in his in his office. And it's a note from Iwata. It says, <laughs> Would you make another one? Please, Sakurai. I, I mean maybe like it'll It'd be a fuck. It would be like mental warfare on Nintendo's yeah. part if they really want to go that route. First thing, if Nintendo actually did find some sort of envelope, that'd be some real moral dilemma. Just like, what do we do with this? We can't actually do this, right? <laughs> like, we, There's we a lot can't of trust they have to put in this. This isn't real yet. That I I love that. That's that's a really underrated like dark <laughs> joke. <laughs> there, just the idea that like. Iwata knew at some point this man will want to be away from this series, so I must write this note. Just to keep him on it forever. Mm -hmm. That that would really break my heart to be like, oh. I would feel dirty playing Smash Sticks if I knew it was made with, like, mental warfare in mind. Like, (laughs) oh, hey, Master Chief's in the game, but this feels wrong. (laughs) Okay, so we can't... And this conversation without at least a little speculation, we got some some me costumes that most likely, almost guaranteed, ruled out 
some characters mm-hmm. that people Real wanted. Genocide. Are we any closer? Are we any closer to knowing who the next one could be? Mark, I want to ask. I'd you say first we couldn't be that. more far. We couldn't be farther away at this point uh, from knowing who it's going to be after the last uh, set of me sets because that was a real. A real wipe. I really thought Dante had a big chance. I thought I assumed the last one would disappoint me greatly because it would be Dante, but it's not Dante. So I I can't be upset whoever it's going to be, really. I don't think I could be disappointed, but I have no idea who it's going to be. I think it will end on a bang. Uh, I have some friends who th- really think it's going to be a first party character, and I'm just not convinced because I just don't think going out on a first party character would be as exciting uh, just considering what Ultimate has been. If it was any other Smash game, maybe I think that it could live up to it, but uh, this is the biggest crossover. Why Why not end on another crossover so that this can continue to be the biggest crossover? Peter? Multiple things. Owen, multiple things. First, can I just say, that last batch of me costume, Sakurai came for the fucking throat of the community. Those were Lloyd is a very long requested character, but his fan base shrinks more and more with every iteration. Whereas Dante, he that was a direct hit to a lot of people's request. A lot Dante had a massive, massive clamoring and following in, in Smash community. A lot of fucking people wanted Dante. Shante was another one that a lot of people wanted, not as much as Dante, and she. Shantae's just not nearly as well known or as popular of a character as him to be as requested. But I had I follow a lot of people on Twitter that felt gutted when Shantae came up. And Dova King, some people have wanted him. It's it's nice to have that costume. I wouldn't say that he had a fan base that was willing to die to get him in. But I actually feel like uh, that was the one takeaway for me where I was like, oh, that's actually a yeah. cool costume. And I, I forgot that, what's the follow, follow boy? Is that his name? Follow boy? The, the Pit character? Boy. Pit, Pit boy. Pit boy. Uh, I forgot Pit he's boy. had a costume in Smash for a while. I totally fucking forgot about that. I forget it's there, and then I'm just playing quick play one day, and I fight fucking Pit boy every now and then. I'm like, oh yeah, there he is. <laughs> he's here. But as for the last character, you know how I talked about earlier about how me and Mark, and as well as millions of others are on the smash hype train and we only ever get to ride on it every few years right now we can't see outside the fucking windows on this train it is i would say ever since what marks i'm i want obviously we've had a lot of crazy characters once we hit sephiroth in this fighter pass it's it really became anything as possible any fucking thing your tiny little heart desires owen it can happen anything can happen because when we were talking about whenever when the uh, DLC pass started to come out, Sakurai clarified right off the bat, I do not approve these. Nintendo runs them by me, and I told them whether or not I can do it. But if they really want me to do a character, I can't. I can't overstep. I can't overpower their decision. Who the fuck at Nintendo asked for Sephiroth? It. Well, I mean, we we don't know the inner workings no, of the business. No, but that I mean, Sakurai has said in like his showcases for characters that each fighter pass, Nintendo comes to him with a list of characters and say, "We want you to make this work. These are who we want you to put in." So well, I'm I just know. wondering. Go ahead. 
I would imagine it's not as concrete as like they have clear picks. Whereas I think it's like, okay, we, we want some fan requested characters, but please put Minecraft Steve in the game because it's Minecraft. Like that I imagine was... there's some characters. It's like, okay, we want to promote our games and we want a character that's going to grab everybody and we want fan favorites because there's no way they knocked on the door and it's like, we need, it's time for Banjo. No, that was Sakurai being like, I understand this is a heavily requested character. I will put them in the game. But like Byleth and Steve are the ones that really scream out to me of he was told to put them in. I mean, Steve, he damn near says it. He does. He doesn't come all right and say it, but he's like, he tells a story of when Nintendo came to him. He initially pitches them up. I really don't know how to make this character work, guys. I really don't think I could do it. And then he just gets quiet for a bit. And he's like, yo, you know, Nintendo insisted. And he was, he says, yeah, Steve, Steve was forced into the game because Nintendo was like, you, Mohang, Mohang said we could put him in. You're going to fucking put him in. But in terms of where we're going, when the window's finally clear and we see where we are, I couldn't fucking tell you. If it's Master Chief, I'll lose my mind and I can see that. If it's a Pokemon character, I can see that too. We can go anywhere, anywhere in the world. And... I have no way of knowing. All I will say is Mark says he can't be disappointed. I most certainly oh, fucking can't. I most You're certainly right. can be. You're I the only situation where I, I will feel miserable about the last character is if it is a Pokemon. That is the only way. No I mean, if it's another Fire Emblem character, I won't come on. I've never been that, that never would been be, a problem to me. I've yeah, I'm a big Fire Emblem fan. I never that, lose when Fire Emblem. I'm a big Fire Emblem fan too. And Byleth came from a game with three better representatives. If it was any of the three lords from three houses, I would have told everyone who was complaining to fuck right off. Because they are all great characters and they all would have contributed very different movesets. But you went with the blue haired swordsman again. You literally they did not have to do that, but they fucking did and it will never i can never watch Byleth's trailer again i like Byleth more than corn but holy fucking shit i got mad when Byleth came on i couldn't fucking believe they did that i just think it's it's no shade to fire emblem on my part i i think fire emblem their games are very good but it would be horrifying if they added one more of those characters for the final Smash character, maybe ever, yeah, it would I be agree. horrifying. And but I I do not I do not agree with Mark. If first party is not hype, it's I am totally fine with anything first party. It's the bread and butter of Smash. It's the foundation. I am all for ending on a homegrown, homebred character. Waluigi. Mark Waluigi is one of the top two I want. I wanted the last two to be Master Chief and Waluigi. That's what I've wanted. I've wanted Waluigi since Brawl. Have you if played you saw... any Kazuya, I should ask, too? Just because he's here? I played him. He's, uh, he's just like every other fighting game character. Of, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I'm just going to stick to Ganon, and Greninja, and Sephiroth. I think it's time to get more into the main topics of episode 27 of the BNY Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Shannon. Joining me is the DM, Peter Gorski. How are you? I'm having a great time on the Smash train. And on the West Coast, we have the sexy beast, Mark Gorski. How are uh, you? I'm, I'm doing good. 
we got a new Smash character, as we all know, and uh, just kind of waiting for my PC to still get fixed. And that's in the same place, not really the same place as last week, but it's only gotten worse since last week. And hopefully, I can get that resolved. And then once that is resolved, I can say I'm doing good. Until then, I can't. I just can't be. Everyone send out your prayers for Mark's PC that it gets fixed soon. And on this episode, we're going to be reflecting on 2021 so far in gaming. But first, we have to reflect upon this past week that we just lived in what we've been playing. And I, I'm going to take it first this time. Because I only have one significant game that I've been playing. And that is Mario oh, Golf Super Rush. That. I have been really excited for this game for a while. I really like Mario Golf. I like Mario sports games in general. But there's definitely a taste from, from Mario Tennis. The last Mario Tennis game was a little disappointing. I wanted a lot more out of it. And I just didn't really get it. And I paid full price for it. And I, I suppose I regret it, even though I had, I had some fun with it. I still think that game has fun in it. Just a not not a lot of lasting fun and i was a little worried because reviews coming out about mario golf were along those lines but the difference here is that for what i like my switch for and really maybe even as sports in general i think i might like golf more and Mario Golf is coming at the perfect time because this summer is the first time I'm actually like getting into golf myself a little bit, so it's a perfect companion for that. On top of that, the classic reason for using the Switch is I want to play my Switch while I'm also watching a TV show or something like that. Mario Golf is perfect for that. And I'm really leaning into this just being a, a thing that I do... Right before bed, I can play around in about 30 minutes or so, take my time, try and get better. I'm using King bob and I like the courses. I wish there were more, but I'm glad that they've already said that they will be supporting this game post-launch, which is never a guarantee for Nintendo. And I haven't even touched the adventure mode yet because I hear it's not very good. I'm sure at some point... I'll end up playing through it. But right now, I'm just playing it as a pure golf game. I'm enjoying it. And if it's the type of thing that you as a listener, you think you've liked Mario Golf in the past, I have no reason to believe that you won't like this one. I hope I can get some mileage out it out of it um, when it comes to any get-togethers we have in the future. Maybe I can convince people to play with me. I think that would be fun. And beyond that, I'm just happy that I don't feel as burned as some of the reviews were making it out to be like I could have been. How much fun it. are you having with King bomb I have to ask. I'm having a lot of fun just because, you know, I King bomb is underrepresented. Sure. And I, whenever I play any of these Mario games, I like to try and pick, I have my own brand of like meme characters. There's there's the mainstream meme character, and then there's the one that I'm gonna pick. Uh, 
So, like, in Mario Kart, I'm Tanuki Tail Mario. Um, that was part... Actually, no, that's fully the reason why in Smash, I main Piranha Plant. There's, like, a certain personality to these type of characters that, like, you're not going to be happy if I beat you with these <laughs> characters. That's what I'm always going for. So, <laughs> King Vavam is my pick in this game. I haven't even used okay. anyone else yet. I should I should probably test out the roster more, but um he's definitely my main. Danuki Mario definitely fits that category for me. Like I I love that Danuki Mario is in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. King Bomb, I think I think Mar- I like that I would like to think that King Bomb is a character of the people. Everyone loves a good old Mario 64 reference, but I have heard the King Bomb is one of like the bottom three objectively worst characters in that game. I don't know how or why. Yeah, I is heard he he's really? really bad. Whatever his special ability. I don't is, love his special is, yeah. ability. Whatever his special ability is, I hear people hate it. Um, but again, I don't really have the comparison points yet, so maybe I should test out some others. But if we ever face each other in Mario Golf, Mark. Trust me, I'll, I'll be using King Bob no matter what. That's all other that people matters. Say. That's loyalty right there, Owen. No matter what happens, whether you lose, you died your own way. That's all I got to say. Peter, do you want to go next? I have been mostly just playing two games. Can and... I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, go for it. Is Warzone one of them? Is Halo Wars 2 one of them? It isn't? I didn't hear you there. It's Gears Tactics and Psychonauts. Mm. Mm. Uh, myself and a couple friends. I, I, I think it's just me and one. The other one's barely played it. I don't see him going back to it. You have decided to get into Gears Tactics because we had all come up with an idea of continuing to play games at the same time as the three of us had played through the Mass Effect trilogy together and it added a lot for all of us with the experience. As I will continue to say until we stop doing this podcast or until I die, I adore strategy games. I will always love them, although I hate Gears of War. I think the fact that Gears of War is one of Xbox, like Xbox's number two franchise, I think it's been one of its biggest issues. Gears was good until it wasn't, and also actually it never was. And it also has the ugliest art style in a game I've ever seen. That being said, they make a they the coalition made a fucking incredible strategy game, and I'm liking it a lot. It is so similar to XCOM, but it has slightly improved upon a few of its smaller gameplay elements. It's also fairly fucking difficult too. I'm only on Act Two of the game, Chapter Three. I'm not that far in. I've probably put about six or seven hours in so far. Really liking it a lot. Psychonauts, I don't want to go too far into. I'm all, I'm, I'm several hours in. I'm liking it. That is all I will say on Psychonauts. I am liking it so far. Which which uh, area are you in? I'm curious. I don't want to get specific. How do I say this? Because I don't want to do I'd say I'm probably halfway through the second area. Let's say that. Just the, just the second area? Halfway. I'm through. not that far in. 
Okay, it's it's a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. I thought I was close to finishing it, and I wasn't even halfway through the game. I thought it was like a. Yeah, I'm still. Uh. I just I. I know I'm always the one pushing shit back, and we already just pushed it back. I started playing more of it this morning, especially because I had time to. And I'm a little stressed with how long it is, and I'm legitimately going to be off the grid from Friday to Monday. And I'm going to try and put in as much time. Well, I mean, basically... Tomorrow is Thursday for when we're recording this. I need to put in a ton of time on Thursday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before we record. And I'm I'm a little stressed about how much time is probably left in the game because it, it seems like it's a little longer than it probably should be. I thought it was like 10 be. to 12 hours. Am I wrong? 12 hours is right, but I think I'm like 6 or 8 hours in at this point. And... That's not too much time, one could argue, but if you don't have much time to work around, and like if if you're in like the second world, then I don't think you're like even two hours into the game at that point. Really? Yeah, I I counted, I counted. There's like I want to say somewhere between thirteen to fifteen oh my levels. God, I, I was gonna be like yeah. six or seven. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It is not that. I've done one, two, three, four, five. I'm on the sixth world right now. Holy, and it's like a base Xbox. Props to Tim Schafer and the crew of Double yeah. Fine. They really busted their ass on yeah. an Xbox original game. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it when we get to it. Can I just say, I, can I do one small critique right now, please? I sure. hate the collectibles in this what? game. Let me explain. No, don't explain. We can't explain. Oh, I just fuck. need you base statement only. That's all you fuck. get to say. I hate I have an episode well, of I hate one of I hate one of the collectibles in this game because of how they are programmed and how they move and how they look. That's all I'll, I'll shut up. I don't go I won't go any further. But I needed to say that because I felt that very strongly in my bones. I'll say nothing more on Psychonauts. I'm liking it so far. It's also a lot longer than I thought it would be. Holy fuck. All right, Mark, what have you been uh, playing? Only two things also. One of them is Psychonauts, and I'm on the sixth world. I've only experienced one game-breaking bug, which I thought almost ruined my save file, but it might not have. I haven't gone back to look at it yet. I'm a little afraid to look. Fingers crossed. And if it does happen, maybe maybe I will also vote to maybe push back uh, for a week if I lost an entire save file, but we don't know yet. We just don't know. Yeah, uh, let's just say we're not promising it this next episode, but we're still mm, planning on But you as a listener, please, if you want to have Psychonauts finished before next episode, by all means, go for it. We encourage you. Uh, but other than Psychonauts, uh, I finished the main story for Tekken 7 because I was trying to get that done before Kazuya came out to Smash Brothers. And now I consider myself a bit of a lore expert on Tekken. How fucking awesome is that final fight Ooh. between Kazuya and Hayachi? How fucking awesome is it, Mark? It was pretty cool. I feel for Hayachi. Like, I, I like Hayachi more than I like Kazuya after experiencing that story. Wait, 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 wait. Let's see when Tekken 7 came out. It came out in 2015. I guess you're oh, going to spoil it. it. Uh, I'm still going to put a spoiler warning <laughs> because even though it came out six years ago, I want everyone, everyone to know. 
and everyone plays Tekken 7 for the story, you know? Everyone, from what I could tell from playing through Tekken 7, everyone plays for the story. There's no question. I don't see why anyone doesn't. Uh, it turns out, like, when you look at Tekken at face value and you see the face characters like King, you see Heihachi, you see maybe Kazuya. I didn't know who Kazuya was before he was revealed for Smash, which is a very rare thing. Like, I that just never happens where a character gets revealed, and I've never seen them once in my life before. I didn't realize I had seen them once in my life before, but uh, I thought it was going to be a little bit smaller scale, like kind of a story around like a fighting tournament of some sort and a family that has a really tragic backstory. But uh, then this family also owns just like two of the most powerful militias in the world. Like this family that comes from this humble dojo, of, like the strongest warriors, and all of a sudden, like one of them owns like the biggest corporation in all of Japan. And the other one owns the biggest private military like terrorizing the world and this family is also responsible for like the biggest war of, that the world has ever known and this journalist following the tale of this this family that's trying to kill kill each other i'm just like what and what akuma happening? from street fighter shows up and, for some reason and akuma for street fighter is a core character here trying <laughs> he to kill the main he's integral and he knows Hayachi's dead wife and Kazi's dead mother. Like the, the whole story is revolving around their families. Some t terrible things that have happened to them where Hayachi tried throwing his son off of a cliff uh, one night uh, because he wanted to make sure he was strong enough to live up to the family name. Kazuya survives. He had the devil gene. Not to be confused with any demons. I don't know if there are demons in the Tekken lore, but devil. there is the My devil. Apologies. Yes. Yeah, Peter, Peter, leave it to the MR <laughs> expert here. I've, I played Tekken 7 in no other Tekken game. I'm the lore expert here. Uh, but the devil gene seems like it's a bad thing. Not good. Apparently, uh, apparently that's not good when you're a devil in the world of Tekken at the very least. Hayachi, not a fan of it either that his son is a devil. I, I feel bad. I feel bad for Hayachi, but at the same time, he threw his fucking son off of a cliff. When he was like eight years old, and there's cutscenes of like Hayachi like beating up his eight year old son, which like are supposed to be sad, but I thought it was really funny. Where he's just like this kid's just trying to punch him over his knee, and he just fucking <laughs> he just kicks him in the head, and he goes flying. This little kid, <laughs> it was really funny. Um, uh, I think I may have said enough about Tekken Lord, though. I could I could keep going if someone has questions. If anyone has Tekken questions on this podcast, please come to me. What were you uh, gonna I'm say a... about? We, uh, what was that, Pete? Wait, what? I thought you were going to talk about the final fight. That's why I brought up oh, the spoiler tag. Oh, yeah. The, the final, the final, I mean, I've already said a lot of things. I've broke down that the family has the two most powerful armies in their pockets and corporations. Like, that's a spoiler, sort of, I guess. I've said, I've said a lot, but the final fight was cool. I, I liked it. And then the secret final fight where Akuma shows up one more fucking time just to be like, I'm going to kill you. You can't kill me with your satellite space laser, which destroyed a gigantic building. Weak, but he lived. Akuma and Kazuya survived the satellite uh, space laser that Papa Hayachi tried to use to kill both of them. After Akuma had already well, killed. I just want everyone. That's it. I just want everyone to know that uh, you can learn more about Tekken Seven next week. If we don't do the Psychonauts episode, it's going to be a write-in show. Ask Mark all of your Tekken oh, 7 questions, and he's going to answer them here for you. 
No, well, we're yeah, not actually doing what's that. What's the email, but, Owen? Actually do it. I want to see if anyone asks me technical questions. We will answer Mark, your technical questions. Mark, Mark, do you think Kazuya could beat Akuma if Akuma had the Satsui no Hado at the time? At the time, I think he'd have a shot. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, not the, I'm not the Street Fighter lore expert, though. I'm just the tech-in guy. I'm that guy who watches fighting game stories like their movies because he's a fucking weirdo. I mean, someone's got to know the lore. <laughs> I know so much. Uh, I know the, so much you, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I know so much <laughs> shit about Mortal Kombat, Mark. The email is bnygamingpod at gmail.com <laughs> for any of your Tekken Seven questions. I will answer all of them, and I will do no more Tekken research by the next episode when we uh, get any questions. I want everyone to know that. Perfect. Have you been playing uh, anything else? Nope. Just that and Psychonauts. Can I just say real quick? Well, and nice. Smash Brothers, but we've, we've talked enough yeah. about Smash. Can I just say real quick? I finally have a platform to do this, and I've wanted to say this since I was a teenager. Street Fighter Cross Tekken, from what I've heard, is a terrible fighting game. But it has some of the greatest trailers I've ever fucking seen, man. <laughs> the Street Ryan. Fighter Cross Tekken trailers are fucking it's it they just get me so hyped up it's as you would imagine two street fighter characters fighting two tekken characters they were ways to announce characters back in the day when this game was first you know in development and the songs they use for them the characters who fight each other the shit the characters doing these trailers everyone can say whatever the hell they want about street fighter cross tekken you can never go after those trailers because they're the fucking shit and they always will be. I'll take note of that. I'll definitely do a binge of them before next episode. That's a lie. I will not. But it is time to start reflecting on 2021 where six months, six months are gone and we need to look back on what has been a kind of strange year. I wonder why it's been strange coming off of 2020. But, Mark, I want to begin with you on what one of your biggest surprises of the first half of 2021 has mm -hmm. been for you. Well, uh, I definitely think... Uh, we had a good, you're, you guys aren't going to agree with me on this, but I think we had a pretty good Nintendo Direct after what was a year of not having any cool Nintendo news or announcements. Now, now you're talking about the non-E3 the non one. one is what I'm talking about, but the E3 one also, uh, it's right up there. I think, I think getting a Metroid Dread announced is a pretty big deal. Having Advance Wars come back. We got another Mario Golf. We did, we really did get a lot of cool Nintendo news and I'm biased, of course because I'm a big Nintendo guy. But after 2020, when we were radio silent from everything Nintendo, we were, we were radio silent on a lot of things for obvious reasons, of course. But uh, it felt felt nice, uh, definitely, to, to have a, a return of Nintendo news. Now, can you give it... I'm not going to disagree with you on the E3 one. The E3 one was good. But you're, I think you're bringing this up just so that you can say that you thought that the other one was good. And I want I want legitimate reasons well, here. Well, it's going to be subjective, of course. Like, I can't I can't tell everyone, like, this this one direct that we had uh, in March was 
the reason why Nintendo is back. Uh, but uh, well, no, no, you you brought this on yourself. Now, now you are making. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I think I felt that way. I'm like, this is this meant this much to me. I don't have to prove anything to anyone, but I can I can sit on my throne and say, I love this direct. Okay, love is too strong. Love's Mark, a little I don't know if you remember, but the March Nintendo Direct is the worst fucking thing Owen has ever experienced his entire life on this planet. So now you've really just you've started a fight here. Is this really the case, Owen? Do you really you don't remember? Really no, no, but it was a bad presentation, and I'm I I'm ready to to lay out. At least some of the reasons. He's going to say DC Supergirls and then nothing else. <laughs> nope, nope. I'm I'm always I'm always keeping you on your toes. I I was not going to say that. I was going to say for one beyond. I remember two announcements from that. That would be Mario Golf, and that Outer Wilds is coming to Switch. Well, two and that's three got, got announced. Eat it, eat shit. It's well, on, two and that's three on did you. get announced. That's on you. That's good. That's good. It, it it did get announced. I can at least give you that. But beyond that, I, I just feel like it's not moving the needle. It's not moving the needle enough, especially compared to the E3 presentation. I thought the E3 presentation was way better, even though, I mean, you could you can maybe even make an argument that Splatoon 3 especially is bigger than anything that came from the E3 Direct. But... I just think the E3 one had a better baseline of quality. They might have been more considered B-tier Nintendo franchises, but like B-tier that everyone was really happy to see back. And it, it just made Let me for be more clear. I do not think the March Direct was very good. I just remember when we had talked about it on the podcast, Owen had points and I made me swing at him. And I thought E3 one was much better. But if anyone were to look at that March Direct and say it was bad, I would totally fucking get it. All I know is that March Direct did not have Advanced Wars coming back, so the E3 one is better by a fucking mile. I'm going to say it was a February Direct also. I'm just now remembering it was not March. I think March because they said Pyra and Mithra for Smash Brothers would be revealing in March. That was a disappointing reveal as well. Like, I'm I'm definitely biased. I can't, I, I, there's no way I can win anybody here to say like, oh, that was, that was very exciting. Absolutely. I'll never get Peter because Peter loathes Pyra and Mithra. Am I correct, Peter? I believe, yes. Yes, I do. I, okay. I do not like any character designs I have seen from that game. They're good characters though. They're like two of the best characters from that game. God help us. Um, as as someone who knew the inevitable inclusion of Xenoblade Two would hit Smash, uh, I think this was the best way to represent it instead of the actual main character because I hate him. I do not like him. I think he's really boring and just not fun. Um, so you would be disappointed if he was the final. If they, like, don't will can... that into this earth. You shut the fuck up. You <laughs> sit down. Was... You do not bring that into my world. There's no way they would double dip in Xenoblade 2. People, everyone would be like, oh, you said no more Fire Emblem? Here, now Xenoblade's next. We're I just putting Xenoblade's my laptop next. over my fucking kneecap if I see Rex announces the last fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there were other things at the Direct. To, to pull us back to the Direct, um, there was Skyward Sword remaster. That was announced at that Direct. Mario Golf, we said as well. Splatoon 3. These are all really good things. Miitopia. Coming back on the Switch, 
Oh, don't, don't, what? don't give me what Utopia. If you are going to respect WarioWare and if you're going to respect Advanced Wars, you have to respect Metopia as well. You do. No, no, those are not the rules. Metopia those are not has the rules. such a bigger I don't, fan I don't base need... than Advanced Wars. Do you? Are you fucking kidding me? I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I don't need the baby me RPG <laughs> being represented. I don't need me's holding my hand. I'm a man. I'm a fucking tough gamer. That's what hey. you sound like right now. Oh, and have you seen on Twitter the, it, it, it went viral for like the day and like the, I want to say like the week of the demo kind of coming out and the me creations in there are such detailed. The things people are able to, are able to put together is very, uh, very uh like some really ambitious designs like we've never seen me's before have come out of this game and he is not a baby child pee pants man mark mm. he's not he doesn't know this he fucking plays real <laughs> games like call of duty he doesn't know what the fuck this you're talking about this is true look look i people are allowed to enjoy metopia if they want to but i i don't want this like included in the conversation of man that it's good for the business it's it's what peter says it's good for the business of nintendo really glad the metopia hey mark's leading metopia mark's like, leading this am, charge I'm, I'm backing him up and i'm glad that the metopia fans are i like i love when little quirky games from nintendo come out as someone whose favorite console is the wii there's definitely like certain wii tier games i'm always glad to see come out of nintendo but in the same vein that Owen has criticized Peter for being potentially being happy for the Bayonetta fans, so to speak, I didn't get Metopia. I wasn't going to play it, but I like to see it. I like to see that that part of Nintendo is still alive, that so they can balance. Give him the same shit right now, Owen. Give him the same shit right now. I'll I'll be more willing to acknowledge Metopia as a very serious game. As soon as Peter accepts gamers Ooh, as an All right, everyone, hold, don't hold your fucking breath because that shit ain't ever happening. Peter, if you had to do one of these two things, you have to play Xenoblade Chronicles 2, a game that Xenoblade takes Xenoblade Chronicles 60. 2. Wow. Next you hate question. gamers that much. You hate Next gamers question. that much. Next question. Sir, we have a question that needs to be answered. Why do you hate gamers? Because it is a tag that I just feel is overused by corporation uh, corporations and games influencers. This the words epic and hype also fall into this. It just feels disingenuous. It just feels like a word that's used to bait people into spending money. And I don't like it. I don't like it. I fucking hate that word. I don't care for it. What if I well, our fan base, our fan base is still called the capital G's. So at some point, you're gonna have to. Uh, I never agreed to this. There are only three of us here. It should be a una- by unanimous vote. I think majority rules is fine. <laughs> Guess my vote, Peter. Guess. Guess what I voted. All I know is Owen will continue to shit on Nintendo franchises that he does not know about, and because he does not know about them, he will deem them as not worthy in his eyes. No, no, no. I just, I know quality when I see it, and Metopia was not screaming that. It's time to move on to other surprises. 
of 2021. And I know we're all thinking it, so I think it's about time we just bring it up already. It was a surprise in 2021 that I beat Persona mm-hmm. 5 Royal. I, I, I would be honestly I would be honest to say I am surprised too. But I'm glad we live in this world where we still are a mostly Persona 5 certified podcast. Peter, if you want to change that anytime. Yeah, I would say majority I do rules. Think so, yeah, I think majority rules, right, Peter? You're gonna have to gonna have to settle here. I will stay on my island until it sinks due to climate change. No anime and no gamers on Peter's island, apparently. Nope. Metropia so, can come so anytime Peter... it wants, though. <laughs> that, that was along the lines of what yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> Peter, more accepting of Metopia as an RPG Fucking than Persona put that on Royal. a shirt. You're goddamn right. You can, if, you, if, the, if we got popular off this episode, I would want other outlets to have the headline, Metopia is better than Persona 5. <laughs> That is what I want everyone's main takeaway to be from this fucking podcast. I will never play Persona 5. I've planted my flat ground. And you're, but but also, be honest with the listeners. You're never going to play no, Utopia I, either. I never said I would. Look, when I get excited over something like Advanced Wars, I'm going to play that shit. I'm not playing Utopia. Can you imagine a world, Peter, where you go I, into retirement and you think, I can play a couple of games I thought I never had the time for. Does Persona 5 make the cut? No. Not a chance. What about Persona 6? No, maybe at this time? It's a strategy know. game with grid-based combat. I can probably fit it in. If it's another 190-hour game where you gotta be friends with everybody, then no. Now, you may say, Peter, Mass you know, Effect is a game where you gotta be friends with everybody. You're right, and Mass Effect's better. So shut up! Where <laughs> I'm at! You know, it, it's really gotten so distorted over time. And Mark, honestly, I blame you for this. I, I mean, Persona 5 Royal just flat out is not a 190-hour game. It's not even a 160-hour game. I'm sorry, Mark. I, I, I know that it took you that long. I've, but I've never have. met another person <laughs> who spent that much time on their first playthrough. Like, not even the second. The only way, The only way I could see it taking that amount of time is if on the first playthrough you really dedicated yourself to like doing what is essentially like completing the pokedex in that game because i think i think that would take forever i definitely would spend a lot of time Um, in the velvet room trying to fuse personas and trying to build uh, the right stuff and i'd meticulously kind of like look at my options see what moves i kind of would maybe want see if i could get a little creative Definitely, I I don't I want to say there was maybe a time where I had the game running and I was doing something else, and that adds a couple hours, but like not forty hours, which seems to be the gap between me and the yeah. average person. Yeah, because I had moments where I did that too, and I still ended at about like mm-hmm. one fifteen. One fifteen. It took um, me ninety five hours to play through the whole Mass Effect trilogy. Well, clearly that. They just weren't confident oh, enough to give you longer yeah. games. No, you're right. You know, when you're right, you're right, Owen. But Peter, beyond me being right, I want to know, is is there anything that's been surprising you about yes, 2021 Yes, and it's how so much far? I've fallen back in love with Xbox. A year ago, Xbox was easily at the bottom of the big three by a wide margin. I 
was so disappointed in them. I expected nothing from them this generation. I thought it would have to take a miracle for me to really fall back in love with the Xbox ecosystem. And I was fortunate enough in my constant hunting, and also I was in a good financial situation at the time, where I was able to comfortably buy a PlayStation 5 as well as an Xbox Series X around the same time. And the PS5, I was... I was popping champagne, I was popping party poppers, I was losing my fucking mind. I can't believe it, I finally managed to get a PS5. And then, the day I had to go get my PS5, I got a Twitter alert from Xbox Series X, a generic account that alerts me whenever one is on sale. And I noticed that I get the notification as soon as that tweet goes out, I think, you know what, I doubt I'll get it, but I'll try. And then that mantra of, fuck it, we'll see what happens, led to me falling onto an Xbox Series X that I was able to buy in a couple days afterwards that I was able to purchase that day and pick up later. And I was like, you know what, fuck it, I already got an Xbox One S, I I was going to get an uh, Xbox Series at some point, and hey, I'm already here, might as well buy it. I got the Series X on a whim. And holy shit, do I like it more than the PS5. I use my Xbox Series X damn near every day. I'm on that machine all the fucking time. I do not dislike the PS5 by any stretch of the imagination, but PlayStation 5 doesn't have Game Pass. Game Pass is a game changer in ways I could have never really seen myself getting into. I also, me and a few friends of mine, all tested out xCloud the other night. And I can't fucking believe how cool that is and the fact that it actually works. I do not think... Ex- they also just had a ton of changes to yes, it, they improving did. it. And that's one aspect, one of the many aspects of why I love Xbox now is it feels like this entire year, every week, they've been doing something. Microsoft isn't sleeping. They are always making moves, whether it be to their hardware, their software, improvements to their UI other organizations that they're partying with to improve some level of the business, other studio acquisitions, other third-party deals on Game Pass. Every week, you are rewarded for being an Xbox fan. And that is something that PlayStation, and especially Nintendo, do not do for me on a weekly basis. Not that they have to, but now that Xbox does, I never want them to stop. And with all the studios they've acquired and many of the games they've announced, and the part, just the the skill and talent they now have under their belt and Game Pass and xCloud and how they feel like they are investing more on the future in the long term more than PlayStation and Nintendo are. I am just genuinely blown away at how much I have fallen in love with Xbox again. I haven't loved them this much since the 360 days. It has been a very long time coming, but I'm finally glad we're here. I think this is a really good one to bring up. I can relate beyond the fact that I don't I don't even have a PS5 to play. Um and I can project if I did have a PS5, I'm sure I would have been happy to play Returnal and I would be very much looking forward to Deathloop especially. But um I echo everything you say with the Series X. I think it runs great. I think Game Pass is incredible. I don't need to beat that dead horse. But more than anything it brings them back into the conversation and another one of the surprises I kind of wanted to bring up that we've covered a lot so far this year is the fact that there's kind of a backlash against PlayStation lately. And even when it seems like they might be in the clear, 
they kind of find themselves back in it because obviously there's the Jason Trier story about their focus on blockbusters and stuff like that. And that never really got rectified, but I I just kind of think they've talked enough to make you think like, oh, they're they're getting these new studios, oh, 25 exclusive games or whatever they said. And it's like, okay, you assume they are putting their resources in the right place. But now, just today, there is a whole like trampling of PlayStation by indie devs because I guess indie devs just like flat out hate working with them now or something. And PlayStation includes a higher buy-in if you want any visibility on their store along with taking still way too high percentages, which I believe are 30% for every sale. And the devs were basically just sharing the sentiment that like, you kind of want to be on Xbox or switch and PlayStation really accounts for a very minor amount of sales. And I know technically like the sales of an indie game you've never heard of is kind of small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. But I think we all like to see just a healthy gaming ecosystem where the big guy and the little guy can succeed and the stories coming out today make it seem like the little guy is not in a very good spot mm. on PlayStation. And Mark, I'm, a, I'm actually interested. Uh, did you see this today? Do you I have any thoughts on it? I definitely saw some tweets about it. I didn't see too much. I, I was really busy and good to check Twitter, but I saw enough to understand like, okay, a lot of, a couple of people are talking about it. I couldn't gauge how big it was snowballing, but just from my own time in the industry, I've definitely heard whispers of the difficulties of working with Sony from the outside. And I, I won't go into specific details, but uh, this this sentiment of work, the sentiment that these devs have with Sony uh, is not unheard of to me. And we can even point at some past stuff before, like looking at, uh, what was it, crossplay with Fortnite and how Sony was holding all the cards there for the longest time. Uh, there, we've really seen a lot of instances of Sony kind of showing the true colors over the, the past couple of years. And I to say this as a surprise here, going off of how cool Xbox has been, I'm surprised how Sony has continued to just drop the ball just like considerably into the launch of the PlayStation 5. Not that they're like doing like like hallmark bad things for the console. Like, cool, we have Ratchet and we have Returnal uh, at this point. Both of these games seem pretty cool, but there's really just not a lot of PlayStation 5 games, I feel like. And the way that the Xbox ecosystem has built their games, I feel like it's way more interesting to play a game on, like, even if it's an Xbox One compatible game that you're playing on the Series S or X, I feel like you get way more enhancements that way than you do with the PS5. Uh, so that's not even as exciting. As someone who is really hoping to get a uh, enhanced version of Near Replicant earlier this year for PS5, a PlayStation exclusive game, there was nothing really that I could notice. I think it was the, the best thing about it was I was playing on a 4K TV. Like the PS4 Pro I had would probably do everything the same. Loading times were not that like dramatic. Like in my time of uh just I, I don't own an Xbox series console for myself, but I use one for work and test. And just in loading up games on the Series S, not even the X, just the S. The load time is significantly more noticeable. I cannot estimate. I, I, I cannot exaggerate just how noticeable 
these loading times are just so much better on the Series S. And I just sit here thinking, man, I wish the PlayStation actually could deliver like that. I I I know we all have PlayStation 5s here. I don't think we've all are actively using it. I That's do right. not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. Ellen. Make it feel bad. Uh, you'll have a copy of Demon Souls whenever you do. When you get there. I've got Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But... Uh, <laughs> Peter, how much time have you put into your PlayStation versus your Xbox? You sound like you're very enthusiastic about the Xbox, but how much time on that PlayStation? As a again, as a reminder, I even though it didn't come out this year, I adore Astro's Playroom. Team Asobi is now probably next. Team Asobi and Insomniac are the two teams of PlayStation I most definitely give a shit about over the rest. And Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is current is my game of the year as of now. Just to show that it's not, I'm not, I do not hate PlayStation. I do still very much like PlayStation. But man, it must be like a three to one in terms of Xbox above well, PlayStation usage. Those, those are the only two games you've played. On They're the also PS5 the only so games that really I wrong to play though. Like there's Demon Souls. There's, yeah. what the fuck is that one with Sackboy? Sackboy's Big Adventure. Yeah. Uh, there's Returnal. And in Returnal, I'm happy for Housemark. I'm happy they finally got purchased. I saw a few people on Twitter complaining that it's just corporations merging with corporations. And I just want to say, Housemark wasn't a fucking corporation. They were a much they're a much smaller developer compared to most developers out there nowadays. I feel like, and I just I just want to say real quick. I do. I, I big bigger acquisitions do worry me. Say if like if Square Enix ever got bought, I think the alarm needs to like the bell needs to go off. The alarm needs to be raised. But when smaller developers get purchased by Xbox or PlayStation, I never think that's a bad thing because they're smaller developers that already struggle to keep the fucking lights on mm-hmm. and make a profit. There's nothing wrong with these being purchased. Stop freaking I, out. I'd say it's a double-edged sword. Like in a lot of these, like if you look at these instances one-off, it's like sure, like this is definitely great for the the small developers. Games are expensive and hard to make, so it's nice to have that cushion of money to fall back on. Especially in Microsoft's case, where they seem to like really be interested in supporting their studios to do what they want. But at the same time, when you look at it on the grand scheme of things, and if a lot of the biggest corporations are constantly doing that, no matter the good sentiment, the bad still comes with that because that's that's the bigger picture like ripple effect of this. And I don't think, I mean, EA is just shutting down studios and making new ones and doing whatever. Apparently. There might be a Dead Space uh, reboot coming up. Uh, if that happens, it happens. And Activision's been doing what they're doing, where they're just kind of pumping other studios into their their bigger studios to help with Call of Duty and and some Blizzard stuff. But uh, I, I think it's still responsible even to just say, be wary about this happening. Like, with the good, is still the bad. They're... There are definitely some concerns that can come from it, but I I don't know when when you're as small as some of these studios can be, you live or die by how good and successful the games you mm-hmm. put out are, and that can even really I think you're more likely to buy yourself more runway for a mistake if you have been bought but also that's very contextual based on which company does the buying. If you make a mistake under Activision, hell, if you don't yeah. make a mistake hey. under mm-hmm. Activision. 
they could they could still end what you breathe want to do. under Activision. You are fucked. If you move, you are fucked. I think I honestly think EA is starting to pick itself up off the ground. It's still in a bad place. I think Activision is by far the worst in the industry right now. Mm-hmm. That's right, man. But uh, to go back to where I started before I spiraled off into four other different topics, uh, my Xbox Series X gets used a hell of a lot more than my PS5. Still like my PS5. There's several games on the PS5 I've played, or I guess only a couple because two, that I've really liked this year. But Xbox gets way more use, definitely. There's also, this can go under the surprise category when it comes to PlayStation's approach. I actually think I saw a stat the other day. I saw this a few weeks ago. Um, I don't have the exact number, but I have an approximation of games that can only run on the next gen consoles. I believe there are seven of them, seven games that can only run on the next gen consoles. And that's one of the shocking things that has come from 2021 is that like the new generation has not been embraced at all. And I know that Microsoft had a plan to kind of take this approach but i mean the fact that sony has completely gone back on what their messaging was i think that's fairly shocking so far but also i think just last week and if not even last week owen on that uh, interview i told you about on unlocked and phil spencer phil actually goes into about how hey we wanted to just we don't believe in general like you know we don't believe in generations we want everyone to still play we still want to develop for xbox one in mind and they're not going to be making physical copies for Xbox One anymore, but they do plan to make cloud versions so that their developers can still focus on series hardware and make their games as great as they physically can while also not abandoning those who came before. PlayStation, I feel like, just directly fucking went against what they were talking about. The fact that Horizon and God of War are going to both be... like backwards not backwards compatible what's the cross-gen cross-generation games cross-gen cross-gen is it weird that that kind of disappoints me in a way i feel like it is i think it's wrong of me to feel that way considering i'm one of the lucky few who've managed to get a ps5 in this very tiring environment but i want games that are built purely for next gen so that they can be pushed further in all sorts of ways. That's why I'm very happy with Microsoft's approach of a cloud gaming like angle, because they still get to develop for next-gen with next-gen in mind, while not leaving behind those who are still on the old tech. I feel like PlayStation's kind of wringing their hands in that way. Now, I don't think it's wrong to feel that way, at least in the instance of Horizon. All reports indicate that the development for that game did begin on PS4. So at least that one makes a little more sense. And it's it's more of a game that I feel like it's going to look pretty no matter what. I mean, I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn on PS4, you could probably put that next to most games still coming out, and it would look I played very last strong year on a pro, and it still looks fucking incredible. Yeah. Um... I think it's very disappointing for God of War, quite frankly. And uh, especially, I wonder I wonder if they maintain that. What if God of War gets pushed to 2023? I feel I like that's possible. I wouldn't be surprised at all. We haven't seen, there's no way to know, there's no reason anyone should think to themselves, oh, it's definitely coming out in 2022. We haven't fucking seen the game yet. We have no idea what kind of state it's in. We have no idea. 
if it comes out in 2023, no one should be surprised because we have no preconceived, we shouldn't have any preconceived opinions on the game that we have seen not a single glimpse at. I would assume, like, if I were putting money on it, I think it will come 2022. But, I mean, God forbid it comes 2023 and they stand by it and a PS4 version still comes out, that would be, that would be bizarre. The, what is that, three years after? Yeah. The next generation comes out, and, and we're almost still forced to call it the next generation because a PS4 version would still be coming out. And at that point, That's the weird. chip shortage will be solved. Like, there's no way in 2023 that PS5s yes. and Xbox Series are still hard to get. Everyone, not everyone, but most, many people who have wanted one will have gotten it at that point. Yes, I completely agree. Mark, do you have any any thoughts on the cross-gen topic? I, I love how Xbox is doing that. Like, we, it's a common, it's a sentiment we've expressed before on the podcast about how games are too expensive and they need to be more affordable. And this solution to next-gen consoles really is, like, you can still experience the upgrade of next-gen with the cloud, actually, on your Xbox One. That's really awesome that that is there. Uh, but also in a way that isn't, like, like holding back the the current hardware really like that you can still have that there uh pushing the high graphics and all that while still catering and delivering to the people who can't can't afford to be up there with everyone else like and sony i does not do anything like that in fact they just said we're going to increase the price of our games on our next console and that's that uh it's it's very the very two different answers one isn't even an answer. Two solutions to problems that uh, one I, I really admire, and the other I'm just so I, I'm just really disappointed in a lot of things Sony has done. But I will still get a PlayStation because uh, I'm like I'm still really big into physical media, and I don't think I ever won't be. And Xbox is definitely finding really good reasons to go into the digital format that I am not interested in, but damn do i like the price of that format it's just it's just how it's going to be for me there's no getting around it if i'm going to commit to physical this is how i have to live my life physical media can can possibly be a whole topic in the future but is there ever any thought of like having having something like game pass (sighs) for you so that you don't buy games you don't like and then you could still make the decision if you really like a game. You could find that physical version. I think I has that I crossed think your I'd mind? be way more likely to say negative things about games if I didn't have to pay for them. Honestly, in a way, because I because like even the way where I have it set up, like I'm going to play a Yakuza game at the beginning of every year. I'm getting to like the Yakuza games I'm approaching are the most expensive ones to buy. And then the price I see them on like the PlayStation, like throughout the year on the PlayStation store, when I see, Oh, Yakuza Kiwami two is less than $15. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds great. And, but then I look up on Amazon or wherever I got to look for this physical copy. And I'm like, it's like $40 actually for this game. That's so old. But at the same time, I look over at Xbox, I'm like, every Yakuza game sitting here on Game Pass. You don't got to worry about that. And it's definitely something that's on my mind where I think, why did I just do it? I could just play all the Yakuza games like this and it'd be so much easier. I, I, I literally will cost me nothing if I play my cards right. But at the same time, having all the Yakuza games on my shelf 
right next to each other in the Y section because it is alphabetically organized. That I will always have. And Xbox can't give that to me. So I just kind of. I know. I, I, I admire that about you. It's just like, for example, may, maybe you're happy you have it. I don't know. But you just didn't need to own Prey. Prey was a perfectly fine game. But you didn't need to buy it if you had Game Pass. It's sitting on my shelf very comfortably between Persona 5 Dancing in Starlight and Rocksmith right now as I look over to it. (laughs) It's a a nice contrast between these white boxes. So I, I can't say... I, I definitely didn't have to, but I look over there and I'm like, yeah, it's great. And, and Xbox can keep doing the good job that they are offering this service. But uh, I, I know the path I'm walking down and this is my destiny. They can't take me off it unless they want to make their physical games cheaper. Also, that's the only way. Fair enough. I'm sure we'll dive more into this topic on another day, but. I want to really get into early game of the year talk here. Obviously we have not played everything, but part of this is also projecting on like what we've heard through our own followings of the media who essentially decides what game of the year is and what we think could possibly be nominated. And we're going as much shit as I have to talk about Keeley we're going off of the Keelys here because I kind of see that as the de facto this is game of the year. Obviously, all these different outlets are giving it out, but the Game Awards are the closest thing we have to a consensus game of the year. So I want to go over some of the games that we've seen that could potentially be nominated. I'll list off a few and I'll highlight some of the ones that I think are a little more questionable. One, I, I think the favorite, and you guys can agree or disagree with me, the favorite probably has to be Ratchet & Clank right now. I don't think Ratchet & Clank will win, but I think it's the favorite as of right now. Peter, wouldn't you agree? I would say it's that or Returnal. Great year for PlayStation. I think those two are by far and away the two that are locks for Game of the Year. And if I had to pick one or the other... And... That brings me to my main question already. Will PlayStation have three nominees for Game of the Year this year if Horizon Forbidden oh, West comes out? Fuck. I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. God. I, I don't think Returnal makes it, honestly, just because. Really? I really don't. I really think it won't be. And the only reason is because I know when I think of the Keeleys, it's not I'm going in thinking. Oh, what do I think is really the best game uh, when I'm trying to guess what's going to win? I think of, okay, what was the press's reception of this game? And the press really liked it, but a lot of the press also had a lot of issues with uh, how saving in that game worked. And that became a constant thing. Like I feel like more people were talking about that part of the game, at least in my social media realm, uh, than actually talking about the game. And maybe there is, to avoid spoilers at that point, I don't think... I don't know how much plot is in the game. I, I caught my roommate playing some bits of Returnal, and he was very into the story until he wasn't uh, later on in the game. But like, I, I don't know if that's what people are trying to talk around or anything, or even their runs, but 
I think that aspect reached enough of social uh, games and media, and it's important because they are a big chunk of the judges here. That I I, I don't think that's going to carry the weight for game awards, unless if there really are that many misses. One thing I wanted to bring up was It Takes Two was a very uh, highly reviewed game, one of the highest, if not the highest reviewed game on Metacritic earlier on. It's not anymore currently. If you, if I were to tell you guys the highest rated uh, Metacritic review game right now on on Metacritic, I don't think you'd believe me. Um, I have two guesses. Um, I'm not sure if this counts. It definitely doesn't count from a game of the year standpoint, but there would be Disco Elysium Director's Cut. It's up there. It's that's in the top five. It's number two. I actually, I should say. And ooh, ooh, um, it's one Mass Effect Legendary Edition. That is number three. Oh, I got close though. I'm debating between two. I'm going to say the more mainstream one. I'm going to say Bowser's Fury. Um, Bowser's Fury is tied for fifth with a lot of other games. I forgot that game even fucking came out. my other guess was going to be the more recent game, Chicory. That is tied with Bowser's Fury as well, in the same spot. Okay. Then I have no is idea what number one is. No. You've never, none of you have ever heard of this game. It's a Switch-exclusive visual novel called The House and Fata Morgana Dreams of the Revenants Edition. You didn't just say that. What? what? Excuse me? It has a medis- medic- medis- a critic medic score of 98. <laughs> What's number House. four then? What's number four? Yeah. Number four, I wouldn't even count this as. I mean, I guess it does. It's the PlayStation Five port of the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two Where remake. Where the fuck is Ratchet? Everyone loved Ratchet. Ratchet is in thirteenth. It's tied for eleventh place with a bunch of games. Where's Returnal? Returnal. Fuck, where is Returnal? That's a great question. It's gotta be on here somewhere. I feel like Returnal probably got enough, like, sevens to bring it down a bit. If I had My to guess. My question is, oh, if Horizon comes out this year, I think it's, I think it just wins. I think it will win unchallenged. I do think Ratchet is going to be nominated. That is the one, since we don't even know if Horizon is coming out this year. If going off of what has come out, Ratchet's going to be nominated across the board with a bullet. I have no doubt in my mind. I really think Returnal will as well because what else has come out this year? And is what else is even coming out this year? Everything's been delayed because of COVID. It Takes Two was a great... Returnal... Returnal's number 34 with an 86. It's technically tied at 26 with like 10 other titles, if not more than 10. But it's in that realm. Optimize Effect deserves to be up there. But Returnal, Ratchet, It Takes Two. Let's assume Horizon doesn't come out this year. What else even is there to be nominated? What, what's coming out in the second half of the year? Metroid Dread, I don't think is going to be game of the year material. I I think it has a chance. Yeah. I think Metroid Dread really? could really blow away a lot of people. Maybe, I think it, it has a chance. Maybe. Not, I'm not saying it's a shoe-in, but I think it certainly has a chance, and I can't rule that out. Halo. I think... I, I was gonna say the the one thing with Metroid, and I'm I'm 
pulling for you Metroid fans out there, of course, and I assume the game will be good. But I actually think, I don't remember who it was specifically on Kinda Funny made this point, but I thought it was very, very good, is that there's like a ton of good Metroidvanias made nowadays, like really good Metroidvanias. So the main thing that Metroid has going for it is that like it's considered the originator, but it still has to fight against the games like Hollow Knight or Ori, for instance. And those those games did not win Game of the Year. They may have been nominated. I don't remember for sure. I, but also look at the year in where there's not that much coming out. Met- 2D Metroid, a new 2D Metroid has finally come back. I know there's Samus Returns, but we're talking a brand new from the ground up Metroid game, not based on anything else that came before it. In a year where, and also, this is really, this in Prime 4, this will determine whether or not this franchise lives or dies. This is, Mark, am I wrong in considering this game? I feel like Dread is the equivalent to Awakening. For Metroid. It for has what? the potential to be that. I yeah. can't, like, like from where we are in relation to Dread versus where we would be with Awakening, like, it coming out, I don't think it's comparable because I feel like things were uh, looking a lot worse for Fire Emblem. I don't know if anyone expected Awakening to blow up the way that it did, enough to put four more Smash characters, or Fire Emblem characters in Smash. It made Fire Emblem one of Nintendo's, like, top ten franchises. It's become a household name now for Nintendo because of Awakening. Mm-hmm. Five characters also. Correcting I really there. hope Dread can be that for Metroid because everyone's always pointed at the sky whenever talking about Nintendo and saying Metroid's one of the greats. It's one of the best. But it's out when it's outsold by fucking WarioWare. I'm not saying WarioWare is bad or that Metroid is bad because of its low sales. But for a franchise that's considered to stand alongside Mario and Zelda, you would think it would be one of its greatest like sales wise but it's just not this is its best chance but i don't think it's gonna but we're talking like one thing here i think we would be fools to overlook is that this is the keelys and a lot of eyes are gonna be on metroid dread and we're when we look at fall we haven't really taken a big dive into all the releases that are going to be coming but in that early october window i don't know a lot of other games that are coming out around then. And I I think there's a good amount in summer. I'm trying to think, like, okay, how much of the press is going to have the time to look at Metroid Dread at this time frame? Weeks before, because the press is going to get early. And I feel like it could be a fair amount of press. So a lot of people would actually be able to weigh in and honestly vote Metroid Dread. Because this is a flawed thing about the Keeleys, where it is everybody who gets a vote does not have an opinion on everything they can vote for because games take so long to beat. And there's only so much time to invest in all the things that people could be possibly nominating. And who's to say Metroid Dread is a long game? It could be a short one, which I think is only better for it, whereas something... Well, Persona 5 got nominated for Game of the Year, but I feel like that was... Persona 5 is a different beast. I think when it comes to longer games. Take note. Take note of another topic we have to figure out down the line. We need to fix Game of the Year. It is just such a... No one has a uniform understanding as to what we're mm-hmm. looking for for Game of the Year. And I feel like we just need to focus that mm-hmm. down a little bit more. Because it's flawed 
and everyone knows what an Oscar movie looks like, but at least when it comes to the Oscars, they know that they're looking for like what is pushing film Mm -hmm. forward more. What is a really unique take on something, unique way of telling a story. Shit like that is valued at the Oscars. Whereas I feel like I'm I'm always going on my rant about how sales don't matter. I wish that sales didn't matter for Game of the Year, but I just I kind of think it does matter for Game of the Year and what we're looking at I right mean, now. I think it is because like the way people would weight what is worthy of Game of the Year versus what is Film of the Year. Like films are trying to accomplish very different things than games are, and games try to accomplish so many different things. It's hard. It's hard to compare the two and they value, but at the same time, whenever I look at the Keeleys and try to think of what's game of the year, I'm definitely very meta about it. It's not about, I'm not even thinking about the games as they are, but how the games are perceived. And that is what matters more so when trying to guess what the winner is. I, I think I agree, but I more, I more want a world where someone could make the case that I don't know. I've seen a lot about chicory lately. I want. I want to play it at some point. Um, I want. I want a world where the case can be made. Like this game is pushing us forward in some way, uh, even if it's just showing that like the really like cute style that games have nowadays that have been really popular. This is like the crown jewel of that, and it tells a really compelling story or some. Uh, I'm making all this up. Uh, just off the top of my head but that's the type of case i want to hear for game of the year not like well ratchet looked really pretty and we kind of enjoyed it like if that ends up being the conclusion of the year i'll i'll be pretty disappointed i'm willing to fight for ratchet i was for me i know i'm not speaking for everybody for me it was a lot more than it was pretty and i kind of liked it i fucking loved rift apart i absolutely loved it and i kind of want to just get a specific layout right now for our the- where we are at right now with our theoretical game of the year lineup. Do we all agree on Returnal being on this theoretical game of the year lineup? Uh, are we yes. thinking five I'm, I'm games? Five Is right that now. the standard? Right now, I'm going to say Returnal gets cut. Okay. Rift apart. Or actually, wait, hold on, hold on. Are we just saying, like, if we're making the nominees today, or are we projecting forward a little bit as to what we think? Well, like, it what will are be? the big games coming out in the fall anyway, other than Metroid Dread? Like, what are really these games that we think would get a lot of recognition at the Kiwis? Life is Strange True we... Colors is coming out this fall on many different platforms for many gamers to enjoy it at their leisure. Now. <laughs> I would not be shocked if they show a little bit better quality. I would not be shocked if Life is Strange True Colors got You think nominated. that's more likely but than Returnal? For Game of the Year? Okay, I'm, I don't think it's going to be Game of the Year. Yeah, like, what the fuck are you going on about? It's a, it's a fall release. I, I, think, I think if it... I don't know. If it was well-received, I think a lot of people would mm-hmm. push for and it. But, and there, there's a lot of reasons for it. A lot of people in games media really like Life is Strange. Life is Strange will definitely have a positive political outlook that a lot of people will want to get behind. And 
it looks better than the previous games if the overall quality of it is just a little bit better than what Life is Strange is perceived to be, I would not be shocked. They have to um, really hit this one out of the water just because I don't think any Life is Strange game in the past has reached that heights. I know a lot of people in the wake of Life is Strange 2 wished more people had picked it up, but it's kind of wonky kind of launch cycle, so to speak, of just the episodes coming out at really far in between and awkward times. It's not People just weren't talking about that, which... Again, is a thing to take into consideration with the Keelys on thinking of what will win. This this definitely is a whole other conversation in itself there. Uh, but I think right now I'm thinking of three games that could potentially get a nomination, barring any surprises. And that would be Horizon, Halo Infinite, or Deathloop. Deathloop, I can see it. I think Deathloop is a... Just because I feel like it's a different and new IP that a lot of people have eyes on, it really just has to sit with people. People have to really like it. And right now, people are definitely very interested in what this is going to be. If we are including Horizon, Halo Infinite, and Deathloop, I think Horizon wins, and it's not a fight. I'm sure... If I even get to play Horizon, although I technically could get it on PS4, but I'm not, I'm really not sure if that would be a good decision. Um, I'm sure if that's the result, judging by my thoughts on Zero Dawn, I would probably be disappointed with that conclusion. I, I really liked what I saw for multiplayer from Halo Infinite. I really fucking did. I hope it becomes our one of our main new multiplayer games for many years to come. A great multiplayer, I don't think, is going to get you nominated for Game of the Year unless you're Fortnite, where you change the world. And Halo Infinite's not going to change the world. I think I think the way it happens is if they really hit both components of it, they're getting 9s out of 10s uh, across the board, and you get the groundswell of Halo fandom around it, I think that's the world where it's nominated. I don't know if it wins. It probably I doesn't win. I just in fact. don't have faith in the campaign being good enough. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. I'm not, I don't think the campaign will be good enough for enough people in the industry to be swayed to nominate it for Game of the Year. I think you're likely right on that. I'm just laying out. No, I know, I know, I know. Here. I'm just trying to think for like if we are including those three, what I think the top five. I don't think there's any way, even if those three come out, I don't think Rift Apart gets knocked out. I think Rift Apart is there no matter what. I think Rift Apart is there no matter what, and weirdly, I think it takes two is there well. no matter what. I was going to say that. I was going to say I, that next. I definitely think it has a chance. Uh, I was going to ask. Actually, let's talk about It Takes Two before I ask about Back for Blood, a game we are not talking about that is highly anticipated, but It Takes Two, yes. I think of all the smaller scale kind of games, if there's going to be an indie darling that makes it to Game of the Year, I think that is the one so far, at least. Yes, I, I think it's between that or Chicory, technically. Mm-hmm. I think they're fighting for one spot, and it sounds like from everything I'm hearing, it would be It Takes Two, another game I've not had a 
had an opportunity to play yet, but I hope to at some point this year. Um, quick question. I don't, I don't think they would do this, but I want to know if you guys think it's even possible. Nominating Bowser's no, Fury? I no. Think so. I think Metro, if there's a Nintendo game to be nominated, I think a game we only know so much about, but Metroid Dread, I think, I would be that. I think a lot of people will shout it out when it comes this time. I also do not think that this will get nominated, but Hitman 3 is still in mm-hmm. the conversation. Um, I love that game. I do not. I, I think we're going to have a pretty weak year if that game manages to get nominated because I love the level design, but the story is flat out awful. I don't know I, if I really it shows like a, up to Hitman for the story. But go on, I Peter. want us to try to get a definitive lineup so we can come, we can look back at it in December or like for the Keeleys and look back and be like, either wow, we are right on, or wow, we are really fucking off. And we'll. I'm going to for our definitive lineup. I think, you know, actually, the this is giving me vibes like the like the decade lists that we did. Let's save Returnal to the part and it takes two are on there. Yes. Yes, yes, they are. Uh, um, we are making our, our podcast definitive list here. Like, well, this yeah, is just a guess because I could have my own guesses, but because I, I don't think Returnal's on there. Like, I don't think Returnal and It Takes Two are definitively on there. What we're saving, we're saving Returnal. We can we can go back to It Takes Two if you think there's an argument to be made. Just projecting forward here, but here's a big one that I. I think will get nominated. Resident Evil really? 8. Really? Oh, fuck. I forgot that game came out. I think don't that? think it will. I don't think it will either. I think I think it is a combination between, I believe it was definitely commercially successful, and it was a little more divisive on the critical end, but I think mostly... It was positive. I think it takes two and Returnal have significantly better chances than RE8. I really do. I I also think just having the Resident Evil name behind it helps. I don't know how much Keeley influences things, but he just strikes me as a franchise guy. He would love to have Resident Evil represented Keely's in some been, way, and maybe maybe Capcom. Keeley's just him one voice. So all of the nominations are voted on by a committee of about I think thirty different groups in the games industry. It is not, I don't, yeah, Keeley's always been clear of, I do not making the shot, I'm not calling the shots on any specific nominee, it is a, they, each category is voted on by a committee of all sorts of different voices in the industry, just to have that note. Another aside, comparing it to the Oscars, I have no idea if this type of infrastructure is in the Game Awards, but. A lot of people don't know that the majority of Oscar nominations are done by lobbying for them. Oh. The companies pay uh, and they schmooze with all the voters to try and lobby for their movie to uh, to get nominated. I don't know if that happens at all in games, but if it does, I feel like Capcom I, would be a good company I don't, to do it. Th- the Oscars have real weight behind them, I feel. The Game Awards have weight, but I don't think they've been out. I don't think they've existed nearly as long enough for Capcom to be willing to throw like, hey, Keeley, here's a million dollars. You fucking make sure RA8's on there. I assume you're right, but I just, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a little bit of an element of this, but 
you guys both don't think RE8 is going to be there? I don't think so people liked it just... enough. The reception I always got of people thought it was good. Not great, but it was good. I think it has a better chance than... Uh, I, I think It Takes Two in Resident Evil Village are on the same level of maybe. It, it really depends on if there's any surprises later. I disagree, year. man. I really disagree. It Takes Two is a game that is not normally done. Especially not done as well as It Takes Two. Its story is very... I want to say it's been done before, but in the way it's told is very unique. It stands out, definitely. Uh, yeah. Resident Evil Village uh, definitely stands out in the sense that everybody knows who Lady Lady D is. Uh, everyone in games knows her. But Mark, I, I don't think a big ass is going to put it above It Takes Two. You under you underestimate the power, Peter. Don't put it past mm-hmm. the gamers. Don't put it past Peter. the gamers. That's the perfect way to put it. It's also uh, the fastest selling Resident Evil game as well. I, I would my one of my main, uh, main reasons to being against it would be that it's a horror game, and horror games usually are not something everybody plays. They have their large audience, but not everybody in the gaming scape uh, still, and that's still takes into consideration critics so less people will have played it but at the same time i feel like village was a a big hit like a lot of people were kind of playing it at the time there wasn't too much else out but there's another capcom game i want to get into if we're done talking about resident evil village but i think sure. we're overlooking go for it monster hunter rise came out earlier this year and that was very well received a lot of people were playing it still i think it might still Sales-wise, it's definitely... It's I, I think over the top 7 running. million units in a month. Talking Monster Hunter? Yes. Yeah, uh, a game that's very popular. Yeah. And it's... Sure, it's another Monster Hunter. Like, these Monster Hunter games kind of come out every couple of years, I want to say. And uh, ever since World, I don't think one has ever gone to push the bar too much higher other than that one. And I don't even think Monster Hunter World was nominated for Game of the Year. I could be it wrong. Was- Oh, it was okay. That definitely felt like it was worth it. I couldn't. I wasn't sure if it it made the cut or not. I don't know if Rise is on that same level by any means. But if we're looking for games that are going to be contenders, I think that's certainly part of the conversation, if not in the five. And if I were to have my own five picks of what would be game of the year, Rise is up there, and Ratchet's in there. I now. I the reason I don't think rise would be nominated is because i think world was nominated because that was the main one that got like really popular Mm -hmm. in america and i don't think rise is having as much of an impact as world did and also one more reason why i would fight for maybe resident evil and i assume this game is better but in 2019 resident evil 2 remake was nominated that's true but that is that is not the same thing that is a well but 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 mark's argument was horror um, games specifically it's a horror game so it makes it less likely like i don't like that i think i don't want to say like it's a special case per se but resident evil 2 remake is resident evil 2 remake that is yeah uh, it's considered one of the better games of all time Mm -hmm. like if it was Maybe we'll see a Resident Evil 4 remake, and that'll sit. That'll be a questionable... That, that'll no, sit Mark, with fans. We're not seeing our remake this year. 
Not this year. No, not this oh. year. We know it's being made because of the Capcom leak that happened. Unless if they were in that leak, the the information that people perceived is the Resident Evil 4 remake was actually the Resident Evil 4 VR game that came out or is coming out. I don't know if it ever if it actually launched or not, but it will happen one day or it has happened. I don't know. Um, but back to game of the year. Um, I. I don't know what else to really kind of throw on me here, honestly. Like, no shoe-ins. I, I know what else. I know what else. Oh, oh for shoe-ins, I don't know. But for a discussion, Valheim. Yes! Actually, like, it's a PC-exclusive kind of survival game. I think it is worth being Game of the Year. Absolutely. But I don't think enough people will have played it because it's only oh, on PC. You talk about Monster Hunter Rise not having this massive impact. I don't... In America. I don't see all of this hype for Valheim. I never fucking have. I never hear about it. I never see... And I watch Twitch a lot. I follow so many gaming people on Twitter. I listen to so many gaming podcasts. I fucking never hear about this game. Outside of you guys and the uh, are the friends who play it. How many have... people do you follow that are uh, in the PC gaming realm, though? I have to ask. I feel like I follow a lot of people who are just kind of all over, not specifically PC gaming, who kind of dip their toes in everything. I feel like the survival PC kind of game very much caters to that because uh, I, I even I think Owen can kind of testify to a game like Valheim. There is a lot of depth to it, and there is no sort of tutorial whatsoever. And I think in that PC game space where there's a lot of the people who are very familiar with how all this works and kind of figuring out all of the systems within it and how they all interact with each other is a, is a big part here. And I don't think I'm I don't think a lot of console games that. work I'm like that. I'm not denying any of that. I just because I remember you guys saying earlier in the year about how Valheim was it was the new hotness. It was the game everyone's playing. And I'm not like calling you liars or trying to do anything outlandish like that. I just I don't think this game is as popular as I I I, I want to say this it, without it sounding was... like a dickhead because I'm trying not to, I'm genuinely trying to sound like a dickhead. I just don't think this is the multiplayer game like you guys have made it seem like at, be. at the time, like February March, it was definitely the hottest game people were talking about. Uh, and then it kind of fell off. It really took off. Yeah, it really took off quickly. It seems like it's fallen off. I'm looking at Twitch right now. Like right now, only 792 viewers. So it has fallen off for sure. Um, j- people searching for Valheim, they also watch uh, the hot tub streamer Amaranth. That's what um, Twitch is telling me, awesome. just so you guys know. <laughs> um, but as far as like my playing of it, I'm definitely behind the eight ball of popularity. I think it's a great game. I think it's worth being in this discussion, but looking more into how quickly the popularity seems to have faded. Um, I think it's unlikely it gets nominated. I think so too. It doesn't help that it's not seeing like a lot of the content updates that they were definitely planning to at launch because it was so popular and they just kind of shipped gears to fixing bugs and just making minor quality of life tweaks uh, constantly throughout it. So people, I imagine, finished everything, didn't have anything to do, 
and just left and nothing more ever came back to them really and that that sucks uh but at the same time there's still a lot in that base game that i think a lot of people just won't ever see now because it's kind of just fallen off the face of the earth it's also pc exclusive if this game came to consoles i think that would change everything but that's certainly not happening anytime soon i originally wanted us to just have a b and y top five or like game of the year prediction list but at this point i think we all have such different ideas of what will be on it i think we all have to come up with our own individual list at this point i don't think that mm-hmm. can be argued. i mean it can be argued but i i don't see any other way of going about it i mean later on in this year we'll definitely have a full-on episode talking oh, sure, about but I'm just talking our predictions like, as of now because I, I want, so, out of this episode, I want something we can look back on and compare for where we were at in the middle of the year to being at the end of the year and being like, oh man, look how much things have changed. They're not changed at all. So it's, and instead of doing a one list we all agree on, because we all disagree so much, I do think it's better that we just all come up with our own five game of the year prediction list for the Kiwis and most other I want to disagree with you and come to a slightly different conclusion. I want to see how many games we think could potentially be locks. And that's obviously going to be more than five. I but, think we all um, only agree on one. Just kind of. We all agree on it. Ratchet. Mark feels from everything he's been saying, Mark seems like he is in a completely different world than us in terms of what we all think will be game of the year. I do think so. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm not thinking that. It's a different he world. He just said like, it is. He, he agreed with me. Hold on. Hold on. I think Dread, Monster Hunter hold Rise, on. and Ratchet are my three locks right now. See, I don't think Monster Hunter Rise has a snowball's chance in hell. Yeah, I, I don't think Monster Hunter Rise has. But I also don't think all, RE8 frankly. has a snowball's chance in hell either. Monster Hunter Rise also Switch exclusive. This is all right, well, well, come on. Like, so, yeah, but Rift Apart is a fucking mm. PlayStation 5 exclusive, and the Switch has sold, what, 88 million units at this point? It, it is the Ratchet & Clank game, though. I mean, I, not the Ratchet. It is the PS5 game right now, where that, to be on that mantle right now, everyone's eyes are going to Yeah, but I don't think that, I, again, I don't even think Rise is going to make it, but I don't think saying it's a Switch exclusive is the damning thing, especially with, I think I'm going to, I I don't know. I don't know. Again, we got we to gotta start debating. All right. I do think no, it is. but but here here's the difference in exclusivity. Say if Diablo Four came out, but it only came to PC, that would still have a chance at being game of the year. But something smaller like Valheim doesn't. Now, Monster Hunter obviously a big series, but uh, Monster Hunter World was so big because it was everywhere, and then everyone in America got a chance to play it, and that's all that really matters for these awards, I think. <laughs> A game that um, sold over 7 million in a month on an incredibly popular gaming platform. God knows how many more it sold at this point. You don't think that's enough? No, I I, I don't because fuck? I think these are heavily these are heavily skewed towards American audiences and I just don't think Monster Hunter Rise made You're that much of an impact in America as world now did. because I disagree with you so much on this. Yeah, well, you can have that cone-headed opinion. Oh, what does opinion that mean? Explain to the audience what does cone-headed mean. I don't know. It was the oh. first 
adjective that came to mind. But but no, no, that it's the equivalent to like, man, I dislike your one take on politics, so I'm going to be alt right now. That's You're that's what it sounds like. You're calling me a neo-Nazi because I'm defending Monster Hunter Rise for the Nintendo Switch family assistance. No. I'm just saying that Monster Hunter Rise has not been anywhere near as popular in America as Monster, Monster Hunter, Hunter World Rise does, and I think the comparison... Monster Hunter Rise was way bigger than Valheim. No, I don't think that was part of the question here at all. Peter. Well, guess what? It's a fucking here. reality you two need to it accept. Just, that wasn't what we were talking about, Peter. You're looking for fights now, Peter. No, no, I'm not. Mark, he's looking... No, 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 no. He is... A game that has probably sold over 10 million units at this point on what's going to become one of the most popular consoles of all time in a very popular franchise is not allowed into the game of year lineup, but Ratchet and Clank is. Well, it's different because I feel like Monster Hunter Rise is not on the same level as World was, but and at the same time, like we're even questioning if it, it alone before the fact that it was a Switch exclusive had the merit and the reach uh, to be in that category. And then it's yeah, the step backwards, but it's also just And they have PS5 consoles. Okay, but also, within the first seven weeks, Valheim sold seven well, million then these games are <laughs> Fucking Rise hit seven million in a month. We're talking, we're talking, I think Valheim was... New IP versus established franchise. And I think that matters. PC, Peter. Oh, wait, wait. The no, PC I hit a weird and the console audience is still also very different. And we we've talked about it. I at least mentioned it before, where I really think the perception of these games is more valuable in the terms of how the Keeleys kind of looks at them. But and also Monster Hunter Rise is still selling. People are still playing Monster Hunter Rise. No one's talking about Valheim anymore. Yeah. I, I do think Monster Hunter Rise has a better chance of being nominated at the Keeleys uh, than Valheim. I I have it locked in for a reason. That's why I'm kind of putting it in there. I think it is safe. It is only on Switch, and that kind of hurts chances, I think, a little bit. Especially because World... I don't think World was exclusive, was it? Or was it timed exclusive? No, okay. it was not. Or I can't guarantee whether it was timed. I, I remember Monster Hunter World coming out because everyone I listened to at that time mm-hmm. talked about it. But when Rise came out... All the podcasts I listened to, they had their one person that were was trying out Rise, and they would say, "Yeah, it's a pretty good Monster Hunter game." And then that was the last conversation. Okay, but I, heard I don't about. hear anyone talking about It Takes Two anymore, and I still think that game is a shoe in for nomination. Well, but It Takes Two is less of an ongoing game, and also I do hear people talk about it when they have their own conversations of like what they've played this year that has been big. They always bring up all It right, Takes Two. Right. We let's just I know we've already said it. We're we're putting it down now. We're furbishing the ground. We're putting in our five or at least starting to. Furbish First one. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Yes, we all agree. Yes. Okay. Yes. We have one. We have four more spots. I don't think all three of us are gonna agree on a single fucking one. Unless I think if Horizon comes out. It is guaranteed a spot. Where are we at? For going forward, we need to decide right now. Where are we at with the arcade game? I never know with Deathloop, Horizon, and Halo Infinite. Where are we at with those three? Are they coming out this year or are they not? I think Horizon is. I do think it really is. And I, th- I think I'm willing to lock that into. Do you think Halo Infinite comes out this year? 
Yes, I don't yes. think that's a lock, though. Do you think Deathloop comes out this year? Uh, yes, and definitely not a lock, but I won't... I just won't be shocked if Mark, it is. If it's Death on the Loop list. Deathloop coming out this year? Yes. Where are you at with Game of the Year? I want to say it is very possible. Okay. It has the potential to be. And so far, we've got Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and Horizon. Those are the two locks. We have three more spots. Now we can hone in more on shit. We're not just like just flailing our arms around randomly. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing of note, looking back at the Game Awards of 2019, which 2019, weaker year for gaming. Not a lot of big names came out. Uh, Sekiro won. Another highlight of the year would be considered Control. Uh, so solid games, just not huge names. One game that is nominated that was one of the most controversial games of that year was Death Stranding. Now, seeing Death Stranding on there makes me wonder why couldn't Resident Evil 8 be nominated? Because it's not, because Kojima's name is not on. Bingo. Now that that very well might be true. That very well might be true, and also that lends a little more credence to maybe maybe Keeley has a little more control. No, I don't think that's Keeley. That's everybody. Everybody. Yeah, everybody drinks Kojima Kool-Aid. Yeah, exactly. We drink the Kojima Kool-Aid. What the fuck are you talking about? Well, we do, we do, but I, I think if you gathered like games media members you gathered a hundred of them that have all played death stranding. I think it might go down the line of like 50, well, 50 as to well, whether people now, liked it I feel not. like people were hotter on it when it came out. Also did it came out closer to the game awards. So people didn't have as much time to really shift in their feelings about it. It's Kojima's first game since he broke off with Konami and it got decent reviews. It was a PS4 exclusive, you know, first party. So it had that going forward too. I think in the moment, he it also, totally makes sense for it being nominated in 2019, especially when it was a weaker year, as you said. He also won Best Direction. And, no. I mean, I yeah. still haven't played this, that game, and I I never Me want either. to. Um, That sounds You're absurd. You need a sense of direction if you want to beat that game. <sighs> get it. Ching. I... Yeah. <laughs> I know what my next lock is. It's Shin Megami Tensei 5. I'm going to say Returnal. it. Okay. I don't think so. I know. And that's why we're from here on out, we're butting heads. I think. Okay. So my le- okay, okay. Uh, make your my case, next make three. Just no, just uh, Returnal is. It's a fair. It's a specific type. It's a genre of games that I don't feel like gets into game a year that much it is probably the biggest budget game of its kind housemark just got bought by sony so everyone's eyes are already on them i think playstation might be pushing returnal more than ratchet because it's a new ip of a new studio that they just got underneath their wing i disagree with that i i think playstation is pushing ratchet way i don't know it's so close know. to the. We're still pretty close to the release of Ratchet, so maybe it doesn't feel like it has that long lasting. But I promise you, we're we're not going to stop seeing less of Ratchet. Remember, hey, hey, I'm I'm saying this about Returnal with the idea in mind that Ratchet is already a lock. I'm not, I'm not like I'm not saying Ratchet is the lesser child. Ratchet's already, it's already made it. I'm saying Returnal also making it. 
and the idea of would PlayStation really have three games? Yeah, because it's kind of a weaker year, and as much as much of a wide array of issues the three of us have built up with Sony in the last half year, we are in the minority. Mo- I feel like the majority of people in the games industry and a lot of people who still pay attention to games, PS5 is going to outsell Xbox Series X. The software, like the games themselves, are going to sell more than the Xbox first-party exclusives. People care more about the PlayStation first-parties. They do, and there's no denying that. And I think Returnal really caught the eye of a lot of people, and acquisition. I read uh, several articles from Herman Holtz, and he did say that acquisition talks began in 2020, but there's no way in hell Returnal didn't have an influence on that. Uh, Returnal comes out is, I would say, the first big next-gen game that really garners attention. It sells well, it reviews well, and that's what really makes PlayStation look at Housemark and go, we need to buy them right now because they are worth it. They are worth the... Like, we have to move faster before they, if they were ever get purchased by someone else. They are the next big thing, at least for us. So I really think Returnal now, has a big shot. I have I have a take on Returnal's chances. Um, and maybe there's more spaces that I'm thinking, but I think whichever one gets a better overall reception and honestly time may be against Returnal because it came out earlier in the year but whichever has the better reception between Returnal and Deathloop will get the nomination I do not think both of those games could get nominated neither do I because I don't think Deathloop has a snowball's chance in hell I'm gonna be honest not I. We don't know yet. I think they have the potential because A, it's a new IP. I trust Arcane. It really could be I, cool. It'll be closer to the awards as well. I, I think Returnal is going to suffer from by the time we're talking about game awards. So many other things will have come out, and people will Returnal will not be as fresh on their mind right now. I feel like there's a lot of focus on Returnal right now because we're even trying to struggle to look at the first half of the years and think of the big hits. And Returnal is there as more kind of come out. I think it takes the backseat. I think RE8 has a better chance than Deathloop. I think Arcane is a good developer. I don't <laughs> think they make Game of the Year nominees. They don't. I don't think they do. Did this? I think the only one they ever might have made is Dishonored 1, and now that franchise is dead because not enough people cared about it. I don't think that franchise is dead. I just they think it's currently not for active. The foreseeable future. Yes, but I I think more Dishonored games will be made sooner rather than later. They, maybe it's because Redfall underwhelmed me as much. I do not hate Arcane. I want to be clear. I did really like Prey. I did. I don't think Arcane is at that caliber yet of making game like consider like no no just really game of the year nominees. I just don't think they are. Well, there are two different studios. What year did Dishonored, Dishonored was twenty? Was I, it, think I think it was. It was, no, it, was 20, it was 2012. It was the same year as Walking Dead Telltale. Holy shit, that you game is a lot older than correct. I thought. Let's, let's find Game Awards 2012, because Dishonored 2 was not yeah, nominated. No I thought uh, that, that game was good enough. It, to be no, one had, no one fucking played it. That's the problem. 2012, we had Journey, we had The Walking Dead, and we had Dishonored, and I don't remember the other two nominees. This was back when it was on Spike. Hold on. 
I remember Walking Dead season one winning. For some reason, very mad. Because Journey didn't win. I thought Journey was worth it. Dishonored was nominated. Walking Dead won, but it was nominated against Assassin's Creed 3. I can't believe that was nominated. That's the worst game I've ever played. Still to this day. Um. Assassin's Creed 3, Dishonored, Journey, and Mass Effect. I'd like to have an episode where we just go back and look at all of like the Game of the Year nominees from when these awards started and just fucking talk about them. I think that could be fun. We'd have fun doing that. Yeah. Never forget that 2013 was VGX. I remember that being one of the worst. Thinking about that shit. Oh my god. Okay, we've gotten three topics out of this episode so far. Physical versus digital. What makes the game of the year? And looking back at the game awards, let's just remember yeah. them. <laughs> all right, all it's right. A good, it's a good um, thing this is a recording right now, so we will we will be able to find these answers somewhere one day. That is true. I want to um, shotgun four games that we haven't talked about that are coming out in the fall. Whether we have strong feelings about them or not, uh, we'll see. But we haven't talked about Shin Megami Tensei Five. A JRPG I don't know if many people are going to play. We haven't talked about Back for Blood, a game I think a lot of people are anticipating, the revival of Left, the Left 4 Dead four-player kind of game. I want to talk about 12 Minutes, I think, that could be the real indie oh, darling oh, uh, when that launches. Oh, and also, I'm going to put five, actually. Uh, Kenna, Bridge of Spirits is an August game, I think. People might be really interested in. And uh, Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. The 14 expansion coming out later this year. The only one of those that I really think has weight is 12 minutes. I did not think about that. That is a fucking great mention. And that is making me reevaluate my list. I I think that one could really surprise people. Even though people are looking at that game thinking, oh, that's going to be something very different. I know it's my most anticipated game to play right now. It's 12 minutes Xbox exclusive. Xbox and PC. Oh shit, I didn't know Xbox got the console exclusivity on that shit. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been at their conference now, every year, I believe, for E3, but I, th- I think Kenna also could be something here. It's a very pretty game. Seems pretty cool. Kenna is something that that's more in a believe it when I see it category for me because I just hear it get thrown around a lot and here, let me look up the developer. I don't I don't know if it's anyone we should be no, assuming this is, they're, they're, a, they're, a they're just going to come through with them. They were uh, an animation studio that decided we're going to make games now. I like the sounds of that. Um, I'm I'm definitely not ready to pencil pencil it in. Um, and I'm not ready to pencil in 12 minutes either just because obviously it's an unproven that game has been in the oven for a long time and it could maybe even backfire how long it's been worked on because I think a lot of people within the industry are really excited about it and have a lot of expectations for it. I think it's going to be good and I think if it comes through it will certainly be nominated but that's the question. Will it come through? I it's going to be a PS5 exclusive game. It might be on PS4 also, actually. Uh, I'm gonna double check that. I have a list here. And that's Kenna, uh, right? Kenna, yeah. Kenna is correct. And I, 
I just I'm so excited for when every podcast I listen to talks about Kenna and they say, "Wow, it's like you're really playing a Pixar game." Yeah, I'm just I can't. Hey, wait guess what? Fucking play Rift Apart, and, and you'll get why thing. people are saying that about it. All right. No, <laughs> I, I get why people are saying that. It, it's just a matter of like everyone came with this it's take. True. The Dark Souls of. That's what I think when I hear this. Act for Blood is one of my most anticipated games. It, actually, it's probably my most anticipated game for the rest of the year. Honest to God. It's not It's not game of the year. What about Shin Megami Tensei Five? I think. Isn't it coming out November 22nd? Is it? Endwalker. Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker is on the 23rd of November, so that's definitely not actually showing up. If you could get me a release date, I think even. I think it's too. Because I. Isn't the cutoff like this first or second week in November? Like after the second week of November, it's cut off. Um, Shimming on week is November 12th. So it is just eligible, but even then, I don't think so. Because. A game like that, it's. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, actually. no, it's it, Owen oh, nailed it when we were all watching Nintendo Ether Direct. It's Persona without the the charm. There's, there's a charm to it if you really but like it's hard not games. A charm. It has a charm, but not the one that enraptures people like Persona Five does. It seems more like it has an edginess than a charm. If you took like like because Persona Five balances like the school life and the dungeons, it's like if it was just the dungeons. Like, that's all this is. Just kind of amped up. That is Shin Megami Tensei. And it's also right. brutal. And the game will kill you a lot of times. That's that game. I, I, don't, I don't really believe it will hit game of the year. We don't well. even have a third lock yet. Gotta, um, we gotta come to some consensus here. Metroid Dread. I'm with you. I'm with you. I... I'm just a little more conflicted on it. I, I won't be shocked if it's nominated, but I'm not. Uh, uh, obviously, we're being liberal with the term lock here because like we're locking Horizon and we, uh, we don't even know anything about I think about Ratchet is game. the true lock. Ratchet, because it's come out, we've all played it. Ratchet is the one true it's going to fucking be there. All of us PS5 owners in this podcast have played it. You're right, yeah. Peter. All of us who I are PS5 I didn't say we all played it. I said yes, we're all did. sure it's you a lock. Did. You did. Well, but you I correct myself. I correct myself. I'm doing this for Owen. I got you, Owen. Look, I mean, if if you have a playable Pixar movie, you mm, got it. And thankfully, we do. <laughs> we need a third. Um, Honestly, uh, I, I'm remastered collection. I'm going to throw that my out. faith is starting to shake in Returnal. I'll give you that. My faith there is starting to go. shake. You're starting to get me. I really think, I really think it takes two has a really I good chance. It takes two, like a really good chance, and not not quite. I would I would never claim it's close to the Kojima effect. I think there's a little bit of a Joseph Ferris effect. He's in the starting industry. to build up a fucking reputation. He's got brothers' tale. What is it? A tale of two brothers? What's the game, Mark? I think you know. Brothers, Thank a tale of two he's sons. He's got that. He's got a way out, and now he's got it takes two, and he's only on the rise. So I think. Yeah, no, okay, no. I am dropping Returnal and any f- I'm putting I'm putting my foot down for It Takes Two. I think my foot is down for It Takes Two as well. I think it's I'll be yeah. shocked. I, I can't if I you guys were it. I think twelve minutes would be there for It Takes Two. 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure if those two are fighting for a spot. And maybe there is room I think there might be enough to go this. around. In a world where, let's say we live in a world where Halo Infinite and Deathloop come out, and they're fine. They're good, but they're not amazing. And 12 Minutes is amazing. And It Takes Two has already proven itself. I think 12 Minutes just gets whatever slot Deathloop or Halo Infinite might have gotten. Uh, the only reason I don't think Halo Infinite has a seat at the table is just because it's even the campaign is not going to be the full campaign at launch. It is going to be just a part, and they will just constantly keep adding to it. I, I don't think, think the campaign holds Halo I, Infinite back too. Like, like the fact that it's just going to be. Uh, I, I hope it's not going to launch as the bare minimum service game, but it very well could be. Even if the multiplayer is a lot of fun and that's all it needs to be. I think it'll hold it back in anyway. I I don't think I I don't think the campaign is going to come out that way. I believe it is um, actually. I think they I'm going to google it to be certain. That was before it got delayed a year though. I think they've made a lot of changes internally about the development of the campaign. That and a year ago they were saying like they want Infinite to kind of just be like Halo for the next decade or so but yeah and i i really don't know what that looks like for halo because i i I think you can make the multiplayer suite the platform for sure especially if people like it but um i don't know what that looks like from a campaign point of view um i guess we'll just have to wait and see but i don't think that that means like we're getting the first half of the campaign in November, yeah. and then we. I wait agree. A year I don't know where Mark. I don't know where you're getting that idea. I don't think they've ever even hinted at that. I thought that was a thing. No. I'm I'm reading an article right now just to make sure. But you guys keep going. Okay. Well, we kind of um, need you to move forward in that. Where are you at with wow. it takes two? I think there's room for both that and 12 minutes because I feel very we're different about the list. You're making it sound like it has to be a package deal. We're not talking about 12 minutes right now. We're, we're talking we were about just, before, before we were talking about the two of them and whether they take the slots of Deathloop and Halo Infinite. So that's why I'm bringing that up again. Okay. That I think uh, I do think I would say 12 minutes. It's going to be a lot because it's going to be I'm putting my foot down. It's going to be a very cool and interesting game. I trust them. I oh, trust the them. Foot down. The foot is down. This is okay, an Annapurna well, published game. They oh, rarely miss. Well, now we've done a lot of work in trying to get this consensus list. I don't think we're going to get more than three locks, and the only two uni- unanimous ones are Ratchet and Horizon. I have my own list as to what I'm going to predict the five will be, and that is Ratchet. It takes two, Horizon, Deathloop, and Resident Evil 8. That is my five, and that's what I'm going down with until we see the nominees come out whenever they come out. Give me a sec. I gotta get mine. Mark, are you also Um, preparing yours? No, I think I'm ready to go. I already said Ratchet. I already said Horizon. I'm doubling down on 12 minutes. I do think Deathloop is going to make the cut. I think people will really like it. And for my last pick, I'm blanking on it. Why am I blanking on it? Oh, no. I was going to bring up I was going to bring up Guardians of the Galaxy, because that's also something launching here. But I, I don't think it is. Metroid Dread, that was the last one. Haha, <laughs> how could I forget? 
I really think it. I really think it's gonna blow people away. I got my five. Okay, Ratchet, go for it. Horizon, it takes two, Returnal, Metroid Dread. Okay. Metroid is the last thing that I wasn't really considering that much. I think other than like the Pokemon Gen 4 remakes, Dread is Nintendo's biggest game for the rest of the year. And we see it with how they're developing Prime 4. They realize the weight behind that name. They want to make... I, I really feel like Nintendo's at the point now where they want Metroid to become one of their real flagship titles. They are ready. They're putting in the time. They think they can do it. And these games will not release until they think they are of excellent quality. And they waited this long to reveal Dread. I think this is when Metroid finally gets its wings. After all these years. And I think I might... I think I'm going to push out Deathloop for Metroid Dread. All right. We all own. We have. Because I was extreme, not considering. Uh, we have one game of difference. You have RE8 and I have Eternal. So our lists are very similar. Yes. Mark, could you say yours one more time? Ratchet, uh, Horizon, 12 Minutes, Deathloop, and Metroid. Okay. So Mark has the most varying list, but only by one extra pick. We at least beat the Monster yeah. Hunter. On. So Ratchet, Horizon, and Metroid Dread are the three locks that we all share. Yes. How long has yes. this recording gone so far? Um, Two hours and 12 Shit. minutes on my end right now. Um, And do we have anything more to look back on or project forward? I, I think I'm tapped out. I, I wanted to at least make a point to say that we are... Uh, approaching July tomorrow as of this recording and cyberpunk has not done anything to really change what it, what mess they had made in December last and year. And it never fucking will. They're going to move on to Witcher 4 when they know they can easily get public will back on their side with that game. Yeah, I don't think it's a 2021 accomplishment by any means at this point. It could be late 2022. Here's the one projecting forward thing with that. Does the next gen version come out by the end of 2021 no i don't think so i think early 2022 they still have too much to fix how pathetic how fucking pathetic i think you're right mark mm -hmm. wow I, I i'm glad you brought that up because i th i think that's a, just a really shocking mm -hmm. thing to think that about cyberpunk is with cyberpunk is going to be playing catch up for so long and i don't think a lot of people will be paying attention because it's everyone has moved on uh but it's still going to be happening and we'll look back at the time where the like given uh game of the year at the time this game that people have been waiting for for almost a decade uh shit the bed harder than any uh, game probably has before i have do you think any uh Hold on, Peter. Do you think any games website already has their article written about how Cyberpunk 2077 has finally made a comeback and it's a good game? They're just getting ready for that take to, to mm -hmm. come out and they have a blank little piece. They have to change like some of the dates and stuff, but... I wouldn't be shocked if someone already has I'd be surprised. Someone's trying to hustle right now because I think it's going to happen inevitably. Like, uh, inevitably, a CD Projekt Red will be able to pull it together because they are a talented studio, I believe. 
they just uh, there there was some poor project management, it seems, and the management is not to speak of the creativity of the team and what they can make. And I think it will be good eventually. Peter, what were you going to say? The Switch Pro does not get announced this year. Oh, please, no, God like, damn. The way they're playing it, I, I, I'm convinced more than ever after E3, it's going to it's going to come out alongside Breath of the Wild 2. That game's okay. not coming out, though. I don't fucking know when. We are not going to get a peep of the Switch Pro. I think Nintendo is being super fucking weird with it. They should have announced it already. I think it is so strange that they have it. It's so obvious it exists. They just missed a great time. And Nintendo is going to keep being Nintendo. They're going to keep being absolutely fucking odd with it. We're not seeing it this year. They're going to announce it on Twitter on a random fucking Tuesday in like January or February of 2022. We're all going to wake up to it. We're not seeing it this year. Nintendo's decided to be weird again. But Pokemon RC is Peter. We need it. Nope. Nope. Shut up. That's what they're going to tell you. We're Nintendo. Suck our dick. I kind of... I'm starting to think more and more. Like, maybe they don't even have this thing solidified yet. Because everyone... There's been plenty of rumors and plenty of documents coming out of, like, what the rumored specs are to be and stuff. Like, maybe that stuff is even still in flux, because at at a certain point, you can't, I feel like you can't solidify the specs for this thing and then think, okay, well, we'll release it in 2023 when Breath of the Wild I think you most certainly can. I, I, as I am now convinced that this thing is not even being talked about this year, you cannot convince me that Breath of the Wild 2 is not tethered to this thing. The original Breath of the Wild is. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm. I'm more thinking of what does that mean for like how old is this tech going to be by by the time that game comes out? Because it, it's not like the reports weren't that they're getting the most cutting edge stuff. No, but either. the shit that the 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 specs that they were saying, I think it's not going to be the most cutting edge, but I think it will be enough. I think it'll be enough to keep Switch consumers satisfied for the next several years or so. As it's going to be 4K. That's all they need. They don't need 8K from Nintendo. 4K and will be enough. I, but yeah, we're not, we're not getting this console until Breath of the Wild 2 is ready. They, they will launch alongside each other, and they will just replay their move for the original Breath of the Wild and the original Switch because it worked so fucking well for them. And how do you become the best-selling console of all time? By putting Breath of the Wild 2 out with the Switch Pro and saying, hey, you can get it on the base Switch, but if you want the best experience, not only for Breath of the Wild 2, but for the rest of the games you already own, as much as new games coming out, get the Switch Pro, and people will fucking flock to it. I will be one of those people. I will flock to it. If they bundle it... With the Switch Pro models, too, since so like, oh, you can also get a, uh, a discount, sort of, if you were planning to get this game also. I don't think they really would do that, because they don't have to. But if they did. But if they did, though, yeah. And then they'll drop a trailer, which will be a really cool story trailer for Breath of the Wild 2, and then we'll get the title, finally, and it'll be very hype. Everyone will be super excited and be like, yeah, I'll pre-order that thing right now. Owen, what's your... And then... I, my prediction off of that is that the pre-orders 
are gonna be really messy and everyone's gonna complain about them what is your people still won't have a playstation 5 also that's another thing really to mention here (laughs) that people still can't get playstation 5s it's july so many people were confident it would be solved by June. And I hap- I never believed that. At least I don't think I did. I hope no one could find an episode from February going, it will be fixed by June. Because I really don't think... I- There's no fucking way it was going to be solved by June. And it would- I mean, back earlier in the year, I, it, it the shortage has been very similar to like how everyone handled COVID. Because everyone thought, like, ah, oh, COVID's probably a month. And then it was like, ah, oh, it's probably like six weeks and then it was like no it's maybe like four months and then everyone came to the conclusion of like it's actually probably a year and a half and i think the shortage is kind of similar where it's like uh it'll probably be four months or so i i kind of think so too and i hope i'm wrong because the shortage actively affects my day job but um I don't. I don't have the highest hopes what for it. Is me and Mark have both kind of given a prediction for the rest of the year. What's what's here? We'll close on it. What's your prediction for the rest of twenty twenty one gaming wise? I think Halo Infinite is gonna make the doubters eat shit. Talking Please. about you, Peter. I I would. It will be the best plate of shit I've ever eaten. I want to eat shit on this. Implicating like, I I, that Peter has eaten shit before. Mm-hmm. I. <laughs> I, I can't i'm really excited for multiplayer i you just can't convince me that I, after our conversation that a halo campaign is gonna blow me the fuck away you can't because but reach and odst were great they didn't blow me away halo cannot blow me away narratively if they do then my god but it's not gonna happen i'm not going to be eating shit You're, there's going to be tears. Come okay. <laughs> Fucking all right. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, Halo's capable of that. Halo has feelings behind it. How many it. times do you want me not, to say it? I, I'll, I'll be honest. To say it? I'll be honest. Not necessarily yeah. in the campaign, but I don't know. It could happen. It could happen. If Guardian comes P- back Peter, in Halo Infinite, we can have a conversation. Uh, there, there are two ways. There are two ways. Peter ends up crying, um, or, or maybe I'm saying he'll end up crying twice because if he cries at the campaign, he'll also be crying while he eats his plate of shit. If Guardian comes back, we'll see how I'm feeling emotionally. But okay. the campaign, I, I'm one of the bet you $50. The campaign's not going to make me shed a fucking tear. There's no way in hell. You guys remember the Mantis? I won't. I yeah, won't take exactly. That exactly. You won't. I do remember the Mantis, Mark. What about it? Just, uh, just a little part of Halo history I just kind of remembered right there. Oh, that'd be cool yeah. to see that again in Halo Infinite. Final the Mantis is one of Sergeant Johnson's main units in Halo Wars 2, and I main Sergeant Johnson. In Halo Wars really? 2, I, I very much remember Mantis's. Is the Mantis dying like three hits in Halo Wars 2? Yeah, it dies in a few, but it's they are very good units. They are very good. Mantis are always pivotal to success as Johnson. It's very cool. I didn't know they were in Halo Wars 2, and I appreciate them more for being there. I wonder if they're in the books at all. I'm sure no one cares if they are. Ooh. 
That was not an insult to you, but Kimberly, everyone, can we stop? If we want Halo Infinite Manor, can we stop reading these fucking books? Who cares? I'm sure. I'm gonna get. You know, an, I want I'm gonna get to new asshole the... for saying that. I know someone's gonna listen to this and be like, "This episode fucking sucks now," and Peter's not being considerate of the 25 Halo book readers. Sorry, everyone. I had a lapse in judgment. Look, Peter is a very, it, he's a very opinionated guy, and all of you gamers and Halo book readers out there, we don't want to have you feel alienated from this podcast, but hopefully you'll just mm-hmm. stick with us and, and take it as it is, because this has been the BNY Gaming Podcast, episode 27, a nice almost two and a half hour episode, and we will see you all next time.